Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Welcome everyone to MMA, MMA Weekly with Austin and Chef Dan and BX Sports Jack Network. I am Austin and my co-host Chef Dan. How are you doing tonight, Chef Dan? Salute to everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are here to break down a heavy weekend of MMA action. The ladies took over in the headlines and I can say the headliners definitely delivered. Yeah, that's I, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, how are you doing, Austin? Doing all right. Doing doing all right. Can't complain. Um grateful gr- grateful to be here with you guys this um today. Or tonight rather as it's nighttime as we um break as we talk about what happened this past weekend and we had a lot going on this past weekend. The ladies may have been all three nights of MMA action and a lot of headlines a lot of headlines and a lot of attention from the main events. And before we um break down this card, I do wanna mention, you know, our I do want to mention that we are on podcast platforms like as an Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Reason FM, etc. So if you guys want, so thank you everyone's watching, listening to us through the podcast platforms, and thank you everyone's watching us on YouTube as well, where it be live during the show or or afterwards. Just want to shout out to all you guys listening, watching us. We appreciate your support. And and before, let me just. And now, I guess, you, like I said, you want to start with what happened, like, in terms of, like, the Friday Night Bellator show, then work chronological order in terms of what happened? I mean, we have to because I think the uh, biggest note of controversy that controversy that happened in the MMA, in the MMA world, is the fact that that title was, um, the title, uh, the, the, excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, the um, Flyweight Championship was uh it changed hands tonight uh it changed hands friday night i believe uh liz caramooch defeated juliana velasquez 
via um, elbows from the crucifix position. And I there's no other way to start but that point because I'm 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 man. There's two ways to feel about the fight. First off, like you get into this this ended in the fourth round, I believe, right? Yes, fourth round. Okay. So the way I had the uh, fight kind of set up, I believe that Karamuch had won one of the rounds. And to me, Velasquez had won two of the rounds. But it was kind of a toss-up. Really, the first round to me was really the toss-up. I gave Velasquez the third round. I gave Karamuch the second round. Because, uh, excuse me, I have to flip the order. Velasquez the second round, Karamuch the third round. Because what I noticed was... Velasquez, she had a plan of attack in the uh, first round, but then the, uh, in the first and in the second round, but then she kind of got away from it. And Liz Karamuch was starting to put on a lot more offense that I was comfortable with, a lot more offense than I think uh, Juliana Velasquez's uh, um, corner was comfortable with. And then you kind of get into that fourth quarter where Karamuch gets her into the uh, crucifix, has her arm pinned down, one arm pinned down via the knee. The other arm pinned down via her body weight and the other arm, and she is landing elbow strikes right to the head of Juliana Velasquez. And here's where it gets a little sketchy in that fourth round. By my account, by Velasquez's account, and even by Big John McCarthy's account, not a lot of those elbows landed on Juliana Velasquez. But... What she didn't do herself any favors in, and what I thought was a huge disservice, is 20 seconds left in the round. I believe she started to settle into the crucifix because she knew there's 20 seconds left. And uh, Liz Karamuch wasn't really catching her with uh, the elbows, so she decided to settle into the crucifix. So now when she's settling in, and in the midst of that, hey, you know, the, 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 just a haywire of all those elbows. You have the uh, uh, the referee, Mike Beltron, who kind of maybe sees that while her settling could look like a knockout in his eyes in the fast pace of the motion. And so he ends the fight right there and gives the bout to Liz Karamuch. Do I agree with it? No. But I think this is grounds for a rematch. I agree. It is grounds for a rematch. I, uh, for me, really, like the only the, the the biggest disservice I think in all was the fact that she settled into the crucifix. I, she didn't try popping out or just doing any type of <coughs> what do they call it? Any type of just burst motion, any type of just you know uh, immediate motion to try and flip Karamuch off. That way, she can signify to the ref that she is not going to settle into this this you know this position. And no one wants to settle into a crucifix. Like, that's dangerous to me. I don't know why she, at, 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 like, you know, 20 seconds in, it doesn't matter even if she's not landing a lot. She has the capability to land something to hurt you. You're in a vulnerable position. So it, I don't know. It, it was, it, it was different. How, how do you, how do you say, Austin? I, I don't, you think she was really selling to the crucifix? Because I didn't see that when I was watching it. I thought I didn't see her selling. I thought I saw her trying to get out, but Liz could, but she had a hard time. And that's just me personally. Now maybe if we go back and watch the the end of that fight, maybe you might have a point. But that's not what I saw personally. 
Well, with that being said, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I thought Juliana was winning this fight at least two rounds to one, maybe three rounds, considering three rounds to zero possibly heading to the fourth round. And Liz was doing a lot better as the fight kept going on. It seemed like Liz, you know, it seemed like somewhere on the third round they start, you know, Juliana's like game plans. She went away from it basically, and that Liz was starting to catch her and and implement her her style of fights and. It's, which was one day that led to the fourth round where she was able to take Juliana down and keep her down, then get in that crucifix position towards the end of that fourth round. And then once she... And then, of course, the controversy comes up with the elbows, which a lot of them weren't landing at all. Like, it was like... Some, I mean, a few, but the few that did were not really damageful. Not, it was... Not, not damageful, but pulling a lot of like, damage. What I can agree with here is, like, there was one of the elbows that landed, but... Juliana had propped her head up so even when she you know reared it back there was only but so much distance Liz could go so when she did land the elbow most of the damage was nullified by by uh, Juliana's smart tactic to move her head up but like what what I mean Austin I don't mean she settled into the uh, crucifix but what I can say is you remember like the only movement I saw her making was her head I didn't see her try to prop the legs up to try and, you know, at least get a bridge going to lift Karamooch off of her. Something along the lines. So trying to roll around. To, something to just, like, not just be stationary. Cause I thought she did. I could have sworn she did that before. I could have sworn she was trying to do that. I Maybe, maybe I missaw it. I thought she was, personally, but... Maybe you may have a point about the, you know, using legs to try to get Liz off her. But I, because when she was trying to do that, um, Juliana. But maybe you're right. Maybe if I go back and watch it, you might be correct on that issue. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, I mean, even, even with Liz having the crucifix, she wasn't throwing a lot of elbow. I mean, she was throwing up, but they weren't landing. They weren't, like, damaged. They weren't, they weren't vicious shots or hard shots at all. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the fight seemed more controversial. So look at look at Juliana's face after Mike Beltram stops the fight. There's no visible damage in her face at all. And uh, I mean, you would you would think that um it, you would think if she was getting beat up or if Liz was throwing you know um Liz was throwing hard elbows, you see damage in her face, but she looked somewhat fresh almost. Like she take she barely took any damage at all. Which I mean, that visual to me made it worse to me the the rep stoppage from Mike Beltron. I um, I I definitely agree with that. Um, but the the, the thing that happens now is uh, for me personally, I think this what this does is it just lets me know that there's a rematch that has to be made. I don't yes. think any other I don't think any other contender in the division and that sucks because uh on saturday night we also had a very good uh, uh flyweight uh matchup that happened on the main card with liz karamuch in uh attendance to kind of see and you know you you saw someone uh come back really strong but i mean like only thing this this tells me is that there has to be a rematch i agree it has to be a rematch considering what happened saturday night definitely Indicates there has to be a rematch with, with Juliana and uh, Liz, considering how controversial the fight then the stoppage was, and how this not exactly a contender that's super deserving of the next title fight. Also, who would be more deserving than the champ in a, a, a in a controversial fight? 
the ex-champ in a controversial fight. Knowing they have the rematch clause, that uh, hey. I agree. Definitely agree. I um, mean, but yeah. From, Go ahead. yeah, uh from there I wanna uh, you uh, if you want to move on to the next fight that happened. Yes, uh Enrique Bar Barzola versus Nikita and uh, Nikita Mikolov in the Van Weight Wildcard round. Winner of this fight got it will enter into the Bantamweight tournaments for the in the Bellator Bantamweight tournaments. And Enrique Barzola won this fight pretty convincingly, 30-27, all three judges score cards. It's it's fight in the beginning. Uh, Nikita has moments. You know he he hit, he caught on um, Brazil with spinning back fist that didn't drop him surprisingly, considering he, he landed that shot, and even um a kick that uh, Nikita threw that landed on Brazola. But all that didn't do much for um Brazola as well as the pressure. Just kept pressuring Nikita, kept pressuring him, and and was able and once he kept and and he, and he was able to take down uh, Nikita in the first round, and I feel like that pressure kind of got to um. Um, Mikhailov, where he couldn't handle the pressure, which led to him getting taken down easier, and also going backwards, kind of got him a little bit tired, yeah, a little bit tired, and he was always able to control um, yeah, Nikita for the, most of this fight. And I think the experience, too, of uh, Barzola came to play, because Barzola, this was his 23rd fight, and I think Nikita Mikhailov, this was his 10th fight, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe, yeah, I believe it was 10th fight, so... I think 11. Experience, 11 fights. And Barzola's like his 23rd or 24th, and I think the experience really came through and helped him out big time. Especially since Barzola trained at the AKA with Javier Mendez, who was in his corner in that fight. And I think that and the pressure, you know, the experience and pressuring uh, Nikita definitely is what helped helped him win this fight. As, as he would pressure him, take him down, and control him. Even though there was a moment in the second round where Nikita did German suplex him in the towards the end of the second round, but. Barzola like got up and was able to reverse position and take him down like 30 seconds after that. So it was like all for naught, and that can basically break a man's spirit considering you German suplex someone to get right up and just take you down. But yeah, basically I'm trying. Yeah, basically experience and pressure is what really helped Barzola out in this fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent There's nothing more I could really add to that. It was a uh, um, first round, like you said back and forth but then the last two rounds Enrique Barzola definitely took over and showed the experience alright as he moves on to the Bantamweight tournament as he takes on I believe Magomed Magomedov next in June tw June 24th that's a, yeah that's a, that's uh, a, that's, go ahead no go, go, go ahead say what you were going to say that's his next fight you know he'll be fighting less two months from now he'll be fighting against Magomed Magomedov which it definitely got to be a tough challenge for um for Barzola, but we shall see whether or not he can, he's ready for that challenge or not. I agree with you 100%. Uh, from there, we can move on to the next fight that happened on the main card. This was a highly sought-after fight. We, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people thought this was going to go back and forth, but it wasn't. Uh, Danny Sabatello versus Jornel Lugo. Danny Sabatello, the Italian gangster, wins this fight. Unanimous decision. I think all three judges scored it 30-26 because I... Yep. Yeah. Danny Sabatello, man. I This kid. It's a different animal, bro. Excuse me. Sorry. 
I know uh, Jedi has the picture here somewhere. Damn it. Yep. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Danny Sabatello. He essentially just took over the match from beginning to end as far as grappling. And just, it it was his fight. i never seen Jornel Luco look that I don't want to say the word. Uh, what 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 what's the term you wanted to say? Get dominated or controlled like that? Yeah, I've never seen him get controlled like that. I didn't want to say the other word I was thinking of, but he definitely got controlled completely. This was something I didn't think was gonna happen to Jornel Lugo. I thought this was gonna be more of a back and forth fight, but uh danny sabatello man just with the grappling was able to take control from start to finish and he got what he wanted whether it was a sub like he tried to go for the submissions didn't get it there but then he you know switched over to ground and pound that happens for a while and then uh jornel lugo has a defense of that so he goes right back in the submissions and it's just guy's just a different animal man what, what what's what did you see from this fight um a lot of things, basically a lot of things you said, I mean, Sabatello just controlled him top to bottom, I mean, from pillar to post, from beginning to end, and just Sabatello's an animal, I mean, I mean, once he took him down, I mean, Hugo had no answer for the, for the grappling, he held him down at will, he, 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 he threw a lot of elbows, especially in that first round, he threw several elbows in that, in that fight, to, you know, while he was on top, definitely trying to, you know, finish Lugo, but good credit Lugo for surviving that. And for surviving several submission attempts too from um, Sabatello, and but well, that just kept working. Every time he get, he would take him down. He would try to go for you know elbows, throw some ground and pound, and maybe go for a submission. Especially in that, I think the third round he went for a submission, and Luke just had no answer at all for um, Sabatello. And it's you know considering Lugo was you know the more well-known fighter, he was ranked you know, number nine, and he was someone that people were very high on this, in this division. And Sabatello just came in. Who was really compared to Lugo was kind of unknown compared to Lugo, but he just went out there and made a name for himself and just dominated Lugo in the biggest fight of his career on the main card of a Bellator show, especially the chance to get into the Bantamweight tournament when he delivered and he, he dominated. And now he's moving on to fight um, Leonardo Higo in June 24th, the same card as uh, Magomed Magomedov and, um, and uh, Barzola. Yeah. Uh, this Sab Sabatello's just gonna keep making a name for himself if he's gonna keep doing this and dropping as many f bombs as he did in his post uh, fight interview. Because uh, how many f bombs did he drop? Like like five, five, five. Yep. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Big John McCarthy was counting. Yes, he was. I was, I was counting too. It was five. And Sabatello, <laughs> full of confidence, very confident guy from. He's from the Northeast. I don't know where before America is from. I know he's from the Northeast based on the way he talks. Italian gangster. I mean, I like that nickname. And that, I mean, and also he's very confident. I mean, very confident. You know, not cocky, but like believes in himself. Believes and, in himself. Yeah. I mean, there was a part in the second round where he was on top of Lugo and he was getting the, he was waving the crowds like get hyped them up while he was on top of Lugo. Trying to like throw some strikes, if you remember that part. Yep. That called the crowd, yeah. Called the crowd in while he was bleeding from uh, the top of his eye. Called the crowd up, let him enjoy the work that he's putting in, and he just kept going. Like that guy is a monster, man. But 
uh, congratulations to, to Sabatello. That was a hell of a performance on a guy in Jornel Lugo that we, no one in their, in their, uh, you know, no one in their minds thought that he was ever going to get dominated in this fashion. No, I was shocking. And I hope Sabatello and Stouts fight each other next. I mean, well, not next, but hopefully they end up fighting each other because they're the same side of bracket and both guys are very confident, very confident of themselves. And we'll talk about um, Rafael and Stouts later on. But, man, but, I mean, I would love to see just the, the confidence and the trash talk between the two of them because I think that will be entertaining. And I think it will be a good fight, too. And they make yeah. it to the semifinals. But obviously, they got to make it there first. I mean, yeah, as long as they hold up the, uh, their ends of the bargain, I'm pretty sure they'll meet each other and we'll have a fight on our hands. Uh, but with that being said, we can move on from that fight to the next fight on the uh, main card. This is in the light heavyweight division. Grant Neal versus Christian Edwards. I don't have much to say about this one. Grant Neal was dominant in this fight. He, um... He got whatever he wanted in this fight. Christian Edwards was able... I, it didn't make sense to me. Christian Edwards was a longer fighter, so it felt that he should have maybe put up a better fight, but Grant Neal was able to consistently get inside. He got the strikes he wanted, got Christian Edwards down on the ground, got the grappling he wanted. It was a pretty dominant performance for uh, Grant Neal. Uh, what, what did you see, Austin? Same, same thing. It was pretty dominant for Grant Neal. He, it was just, he just able to get inside and just control and dominate um, Christian Edwards for all, all the fight. 30-27, just like the previous two fights you mentioned. It was very dominant, one-sided. And, you know, just Christian Edwards couldn't put up a, couldn't put up a fight against Grant Neal. Grant Neal was able to, you know, dominate him, especially get inside. And just, you know, Christian, you know do everyone Basically, do what do what, mostly what you want against Christian Edwards. Obviously, I'm pretty sure you like to get finished, but still, you get what I mean. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was um, that was a fight on the main card. We can move on to a ne uh, to the next fight on the main card. Manny Murrow versus uh, Nate Andrews. Manny Murrow wins this one via split decision. Oh man, this fight is kind of hazy to me. Do you remember how this fight went? Not, not. Uh, for, fortunately, it's the same way. I think it's hazy for myself. I'm hazing myself with this fight. Because honestly, I just want to get... I, I want to skip that and head right into the fight. The I think to me, the best fight on the card that night. It was in the preliminaries. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to keep telling you. For free. On YouTube, for free. You can watch this stuff. For free. Just click the Bellator icon. For free. For free, Dante Skiro. Dante Skiro versus Scotty Howe. I thought this was the best fight of the of the uh, of the card. Did you see this fight, Austin? I I did not, unfortunately. Oh my gosh, I, it's still on YouTube, Austin. You can have a chance for free. I, for free, second fight of the card. Dante Skiro put on a hell of a performance. And it wasn't anything short of Scotty Howe. Scotty Howe was a... He was a great fighter, too. It's just that Dante Skiro was like... I don't know how else to say it. He just showed so many different levels. Always a step ahead 
on everything Scotty Howe wanted to do. If it was a striking game, he had it. If it was a ground game, he had it. In the clinch work, he had it. And then he was able to finish the fight via round three via ground and pound. I, Dante Skiro to me is, I, I'm watching him. I'm watching him. That's the name I'm watching. Uh, uh, Austin, that's a guy you got to watch out for. He's going to be on the rise in the in the Bellator. Okay. Dante Skiro, definitely. I'll definitely like I say, I'll, I'll watch it since it's free. For free. Yep. Yep. Any else you want to mention the prelims before we move on? Uh, no, that was it. To me, that was the best fight of the card. Just that Dante Skiro versus Scotty Howe fight, and the the composure. The it was a professionalism that that Dante Skiro held himself with. And it, like I said, it's not a lack of what Scotty Howe did. It's just when you see a guy that's literally every time a guy presents something, the other guy has the next step forward to just you know counteract it. What you have, I, I got another counter to that. What you have, I got another counter to that. You got a counter, I got a counter to your counter, and so forth and so on. It's, I was just so impressed. Salute to Dante Scaro. Definitely, definitely. And well, that includes our recovery to the Bell Tour 278 that occurred Friday night in Hawaii, in Honolulu, Hawaii. As we move on to um, the UFC, the UFC also had a show this past um, weekend. Yeah, at the fight night, at UFC fight night at the Apex. In the main event between Jessica Andrade and Amanda Lemos in the strawweight division. As Andrade goes back down to the strawweight where she was the former champion. And Amanda Lemos, the girl, a woman who was top two was on top ten, who was on a five-fight winning streak. And this fight, Amanda, I mean, excuse me, Jessica Andrade wins via standing arm triangle in the first round. Andrade, I believe, the, now I did the first UFC fighter period, not just a woman, but UFC fighter to win via arm triangle. Standing via, I mean, standing via arm triangle. Am I correct in that? I think so. I'd have to check some of the record books. Give me one moment. I heard basically, and well, Dan looks at that. I'm gonna, you know, break down. Lambos did good early on, like in terms of stand up, like some of the kicks she was landing. She was landing several late, you know, late kicks and even some kicks up the middle that partly landed on um, Andrade in his fights. She was doing solid to the, the standing, um, stand up, giving um. Andrade some problems, but once Andrade was able to get inside, get inside, get and get in, in the clinch with her, she, it, um, she, it was basically beginning to end for Lambos because Andrade she is short, but she's strong. I mean, if you know anything about Andrade watching her fight, she's a strong woman for a short, for a short stocky. She's short and stocky, but she got a lot of power and punches in her in her body overall. She's strong, strong woman, and she was able to get that arm triangle and. At the, and I think it's because her arms aren't as long. It's, e it's easier for her to like throw like a squeeze on our standing arm triangle versus if she had longer arms, where it might be harder. For, it might be easier for people to maneuver in terms of submission like that. I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's how it usually works. Uh, and once she got the position, and then she um, made adjustment to make it tighter, switch um, hand, switch. I think like she switched position, but like with her hands. And once she did that. It was good night, Irene, for a Lambo. So you can see her face that she knew she was in trouble. So as you look at the still pictures of that fight, you see Lambo's like, like panicking basically because she knew she, she, she was she messed up and now she's in big trouble. Uh, and you see the picture. You yep. see the picture right here. I mean, whoever took that picture, I mean, 
Shout out to them, that photographer, because that's a great um, picture. Hey, look, either that's a photographer or a drone. I'm going to tell you right now, because if I'm a fighter and I'm getting choked out and I see a photographer in there, like, I don't... I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Austin, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna have a lot more questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that. I mean, that, I mean, I don't blame you. Um, although that's not the most embarrassing thing to have to a fighter this fight card, which we'll talk about later on. You know, yeah, exactly. But we'll get there when we get there. But um, great victory for Andrade. I mean, I'm surprised she went down way considering, you know, considering she was doing all right in 125. But it makes sense considering she's not a big 120. She's not big. At 125, she's kind of short, and also she was the champion at Starweight, so it makes sense. And now we got potential, you know, we got another contender in this deep Starweight division, especially, you know, which is very good considering it's always nice to have a bunch of contenders, and Starweight division has another one considering this is the best division in women's MMA, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on this fight, um, Dan? I was surprised. I was in shock because. Jessica Andrade did not come out her usual way. It was surprising to me. She usually comes out with a burst of fire, confident in her power. It's like, hey, we could enter a slugfest. I'm with that. I'm with throwing the leather. But she wasn't. It was like she was very composed. And she was darting in and out in a sort of Kyoji Horiguchi kind of way. Just in and out of distance. In and out of distance. Some leg strikes here and there. Throwing here and there. But then in and out of distance. It was a, it, it was an approach so calculative. I'm asking like, what's happening here? Like, did, does she have like a, 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 a you know, a, is there something going on here where like she has an idea of what she wants to do slash like she's kind of respecting Lemos's power. And little did I know instantly, you know, you're watching the fight and you're going, what's, What's gonna happen here? Like you know something's gonna happen, but you don't know when it. It's a boom, 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 boom. You just hear you hear her going, you see her going into Lemos and it's like whoa, 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 and it whoa, whoa, got it. And you're like whoa, and then you see her squeezing, and the only thing you can hope because it's when you're in a the standing, when you're in any kind of a, a, a submission, when you see fighters in a submission and they're in the standing version of the submission. What you would hope for is that they don't gas their arms to the point where, you know, they're, you know, they can't continue to fight at their best, uh, you know, at their best, um, their best, at their peak performance wise. But she had it cinched and she was confident. And I think she heard DC tell her to like, you know, maybe she's too short. Maybe she needs to bring Lemos down. And that made her just like you know get belly to belly with lemos and go go on her tippy toes and say i'm not bringing you down i'm gonna get at your height and i'm gonna really cinch this in because you know I, I austin you and i both know these fighters now they're starting to hear the uh commentators so now it's one thing for you know for you to hear your your, your corner but then when a commentator who's a neutral voice is just seeing something and just goes I yo, this is uh ah oh man, this like they they have a neutral voice and they go, this is how I feel. This should be going. This is you know this approach maybe maybe they could be doing something else. You're like yo, and you see them try it out and the fight goes into a different you know a uh, uh, direction. It's it, it's impressive. All in all, it was shocking and impressive because I didn't 
I didn't expect to see that happen. Yeah, yeah, man. I did not see. I thought Andrade for maybe going early, but also because there, because I mean, but she she was more patient and. But once she got, but once she went in and get, get in the clinch, I mean, it was game. It was basically the beginning to end for Lemos in this fight. And you're right about comp fighters here in commentary, especially in the fight in Apex, where it's a lot more quieter versus arena. You know, where it's thousands of people, where it's sometimes it get hard to hear your coaches sometimes. Fighting in the Apex, fighters are hearing the commentary more and more and making adjustments. That's becoming really, uh, you know, the commentators are basically unintentionally. Are basically, are basically being unintentional cornermen of fighters sometimes by revealing like what they, fighters are doing, fighters are noticing, taking advantage of that. That's a very good point there, Dan. Most definitely, it was it was just surprising to see that you know Jessica Andrade, you know, patient, patient, and the burst came in and she got it done. But uh, salute to Jessica Andrade because I I need to see where she ends up on the ranking. In the uh, strawweight division, because uh, it's gonna be surprising. Yeah, she's probably top ten for sure. Maybe close to top five. Uh, she, I, he was a former champ and was number one flyweight. But Lemos was number seven. She was seven. Well, she has to be able. I, I thought she was ten. Give me one moment. Let me double check to make sure. I remember last time I saw Lemos was a uh, seven, but let me make sure. Okay. Um. I, I mean, Andrade's got options. She can go back to flyway and fight there if she wants, or go down. Oh, Star you're right. Races. You're right. Lemos is ten. Okay. Look I up. would uh, at that point that puts uh, uh, Andrade at at least at number nine. Yeah, top close to top five considering she's former champion. She's thinks that third victory or second victory in a row or something. I believe second victory in a row, and then she's was number one at flyway. So. Yeah, she's got options. She can go back to flyweight fight, probably a more contender fight there if she wants to, or go strongway where she was champion. Fight, you know, f you know, maybe win another fight there. Possibly fight the winner of well, I don't know. Maybe fight the winner of Rose and Carlo, especially if Rose wins, you can set up a trilogy fight potentially. Maybe depends. I know there's a lot of people in strongway who are very close to title shots in that weight class too. There's plenty of people. There's a whole lot of people that are in uh, uh, contention right now. I, but at the same time, I think with strawweight, I think it's e it'd be better for her to go back to strawweight because, uh, uh, oh man, it's better for her to go back to strawweight because in flyweight, there's there needs to be a new parity. Valentina is starting to lap the con uh, the, the the you know lap the division, so there needs. They're trying to get in some new parity for her. Versus Rose, even though she's been champion before, she's she hasn't. No, I, I don't think anyone so far in that division has had a dominant run yet. So we need to no, see someone. No, Joanna. Joanna's the only one. You're only Jay Check. You're, you're absolutely right about that. The Joanna's the only person, that's, and Joanna has a chance that if she beats Zhang Weili. That she could be the next fighter up because that one that fight supposedly for, for three rounds. Yeah. And especially if Carlo somehow were to win. I mean, since she has a victory over Carlo, remember she beat Carlo to win the, the strawweight title. Yep. So that's possibly, yeah. I mean, like like I said, I think if, if uh, for Jessica Andrade, if she just wins one more fight, like if any fights on Maria Rodriguez or Mackenzie Dern beats them and Rose, especially if Rose is the champion or even Carlo. 
I mean, it'd be hard tonight. Andrade and every, another title fight, especially against Rose, where they're one and one against each other. Saying she knocked out Rose to win the title. I'm gonna say it like this. I'm looking at the um, looking at the division, top of the division right now. Only Rose, Zhang Wei Li, and Carla Esparza could make up enough of an excuse to deny, uh, uh, uh um, deny Andrade a fight. To me personally, after that, everyone else down the list can't deny her a fight. I agree. Good point. Marina can't deny her. Mackenzie can't deny her. Yan Jiao not. Yan definitely can't deny her. Nina Ansarov can't deny her. Tisha Torres can't deny her. Rebos or Michelle Watterson. None of those girls can deny her. Now the top three, yeah, they have some business with each other. After that, nope. No, I agree. Good point. Well, I can see what's next for Andrade. Definitely look forward. She's she's a very entertaining fighter. I, I give Andrade usually brings it. It's out. She has, there's not too many boring Andrade fights that I can nah. think of. Yeah, absolutely right. Jessica Andrade is always good. She is to a point where she's a she's a mainstay main event. She can guarantee yeah. you a main. She's she's a main event co-main event. That's the lowest she falls on the card. I guess. And I anything guess. else? Anything else? Uh, anything else? You'd have to give me a valid reason. Like there'd have to be two other title matches on the card for her to be to fall lower than uh, main or co-main event. And one of the, her fight itself would have to not be part of the title match. But you're absolutely right. She is a very, very, very exciting fighter. Yeah, I, I look forward to what's next for her. Definitely look forward to that. And I guess we can move on to the co-main event then. Oh, in yeah. A, in a we gotta event attack with, this card. Yep, the co-main event was between Claudio and um, Puelis and Clay Guida. And Claudio Puelis wins via first-round submission. Knee bar in the first round, 3 minutes, 1 second. And this, this was unexpected, too. I mean, this knee, I mean, this knee bar from, um, Cla from Claudio, I mean... I mean, Clay Guida. You know, I forgot how they got to the ground. I don't, but Clay Guida, still, you know, was was on top for most of it. But Claudio kept going for submissions, and look, there are times where he was close to getting an armbar. But if it was, it wasn't there. He looked like he was trying to get a triangle, but he kept working for different submissions. And Clay Guida has a good jiu-jitsu background. I think he can. You see this competing in BJJ tournaments. But Claudio Puelas just kept attacking and attacking, and 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 I I. I the, the transition to the knee bar was was which is wow nowhere like, literally out of nowhere oh oh I forgot what they're in different position and Clay was getting up and all of a sudden Clay just switches and just grabs the knee bar out of nowhere and just once he gets it on I and mean, Clay casts the tap or else he's gonna get tore off he wants he's gonna tear his ligaments of his knee and especially if you're older that may be the, the end of his career if he does if that happens then Clay's forty I mean what a great victory for Claudio I mean I mean out of nowhere knee bar and just very impressive. I mean, that, that was just. I mean, I was like, "Oh, damn!" I didn't see that coming. That, that caught my attention. I mean, what are your thoughts on this fight, Dan? It just happened so fast. It just happened so fast. It. It just happened so fast. I I, I don't know what you want else. What else you want me to say? It was. Just, Happened so fast. I don't like you said. Same thing you said because I had to watch the 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 the, um, the replay to see how they even got to the ground. And to this day, I watched it twice 
and I still don't know. I still don't remember how they got to the ground. I just know that they got on the ground. They were tussling back and forth, and out of nowhere, Claudio pulls out the knee bar, and that's it. Like, it's... He got it. He just... I mean... I, I mean, it's just—it was just—it's it's, it's surprising. I mean, he just did. It was impressive. It's all. Had, I mean, it was impressive. I mean, just the way he just did it. I mean, he just got him and then made him tap. I mean, that's just like whoa. I mean, man, the fact he did that—it's just damn. I mean, it shows how it shows the Claudio's pretty good on the ground, especially considering. I think he's had several submission victories before, but this one was out of nowhere too, especially in a co-main event of a of a. Fight night, I mean, this is definitely his most impressive um, victory of his career by, by far. Especially being a name, Clay Guida, who's been around for a while, fought for a little, uh, lightweight title back in the day. I mean, shout out to Claudio Puelas. I mean, great victory for him. It was a fast-paced victory. I deservedly so. He earned every bit of it, man. Yeah. It was just, yeah, he's... I don't know. I believe he may. Uh, did he get a performance of the night bonus? Good question. I'm not sure. Give me one moment. I'm checking right now. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he deserved it. I mean, that. He deserved it. Yeah. Love Andrade. Andrade deserved one too. Concerning oh, yeah. She first. definitely got one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first one of. of yeah. 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 Clay, so then, Clay, yeah. Clay. This is his fifth victory in a row for um, Claudio. Not Clay. Claudio. Excuse me. So good for him. Five in a row. Maybe he's close to finding someone ranked in the lightweight division potentially. We'll see what's Hopefully. next for him. And this guy's like this guy is a specimen, man. We gotta we gotta be on the lookout for Claudio Puelas. Like that's cause you don't just pull out E bars like that. Yeah, I agree. We go on to the third fight of the card, which was in the women's flyweight division between Macy Barber and Montana De La Rosa and Macy Barber wins this fight, 30-27, all three just a scorecard. This fight, Macy Barber got off to a good start, which is something that was not typical for her for her in, in her recent fights, where she got off to bad starts, and then third round turned up, but it was too late. This was different. She got off to a good start. She went for a clinch. She, she went for a, a lot of grappling, a lot of clinching in this fight, which is surprising considering Montana De La Rosa has a... Has, a, has uh, I believe, six or eight of her victories for submission. So she was going right in, her, right in De La Rosa's, um, tr you know, wheelhouse, but she did well. She was able to take her down a couple of times, throw, do dirty boxing, and even and even hurt her in the first round with a left, well, not, well, left hook. You know, not an elbow, it was left hook that hurt De La Rosa and was able to, you know, you know, do dirty boxing to hurt her, take her down at times, and win this fight pretty convincingly. And with a lot of grappling, you know, very good fight for um, a good performance for Macy Barber. What are your thoughts on this fight? I, I'm not even gonna lie. I just, I, can I tell you something? I had a bit of a bias. Okay. I had a bit of a bias. I remembered the last Macy Barber fight, so I really wasn't interested in this fight and. I did watch it. I paid attention. I mean, Macy Barber definitely came out with a bit of a faster pace. She that like it, you know, everything we were asking for as fans from Macy Barber. You know, she came out with the faster pace, was definitely more aggressive. 
slow down in the second round because you can't keep that pace up all the way. But then in the third round, she was able to pick it right back up and got what she wanted, mostly because she was able to tire out her opponent, uh, uh, De La Rosa, in the um, in the first round. She got a lot of damage done in the first round. That way, when it came time for De La Rosa to try and get hers back in the second round, mostly the only thing she could do really was hold on to Macy Barber in those times of clinch and grappling and not really initiate anything like that. Macy Barber won this handedly. Uh, congratulations to her. It. I just. I don't know why, but I just. I didn't. I don't know. I. I just. I. It didn't do much for me. No. Yeah, I understand, and let's. I mean, good. Good. Because it was a good victory for her. You know, she needed this victory. She didn't have a great performance in a while. In her last fight, like I said, me and you both agree. We believe she did not deserve to win that fight against um, Miranda Maverick. But either way, this was a good victory for her to have. Get her on the right track. Because before the Roxy Marin Farron loss, she was she, she had won three in a row and be a TKO. She looked, you know, she looked like a woman on the rise who would be a future contender in the division. But then had some hiccups and bumps, you know, bumping the roads. But she got an impressive victory. Maybe this is, a, this is the start of her going back to... The start of her going back to climb up the rankings. We shall see, obviously. A good victory for her. We can move. On. I guess we can move on to the next fight in the card. If you want to do that? Uh, yeah, if you want to. Yeah, we more more so can do that. It's um, like I said, I I'm maybe because I have a bias, but I just this one didn't. This fight wasn't. Uh, it, it didn't grab my attention as much as I would have wanted it to. Okay, and we move on to the next fight on the card, which was in the featherweight division between Charles Jordan and Leno Venata. And Charles Jordan wins this fight via first round um, submission, guillotine in the first round. And and you know, the, how we got here is that Jordan dropped Venata, was straight right or left? I, I think it was right. I. It had to have been a right. It had to have been a right. A straight right drops Venata, and then. It immediately goes for the guillotine, and yeah, you know, and Venado at first was a decent job, but he wasn't really fighting the hands. And then he had, oh, he was early on, but then um, Jordan had a one-arm guillotine that was tight. But but then but Venado wasn't exactly fighting the hands that much, and then he was able to make you know clinch it, you know, basically sink it in instead of one-arm, you know, typical two-arm guillotine. And then once he did it, Jordan, I mean, even when it was a one-arm guillotine, Venado's his head was turning like red and purplish. You can see, watch that fight, and then and then uh, once he got sinking in with you know both arms, Venado had a tap, and he did. But unfortunately, Venado was, you know, it was tough tough loss in the first round. But unfortunately, it got it also was kind of embarrassing considering his shorts kind of fell off in the middle of the, in the middle of the exchange. And that's what that's what we were saying earlier in terms of embarrassing. More it was, was more embarrassing to me than the man the picture of Lena Lemos when she was getting choked out. I, really? I thought man, that's crazy. I thought we were gonna talk about something else that was quite embarrassing to me, but um I that's later on in a, a different context. But yeah, like you said, that that was a bit embarrassing. But I mean Charles Jordan is We've known this for a while now. This guy has been putting people away in the preliminaries, been putting up great, great fights in the preliminaries. So for him to do this in the, uh, you know, for him to do this in the main card against a guy like this, 
it didn't surprise me because I, like I said, man, Charles Jordan is that guy. I talked about it last week. Every time he's on the card, I'm excited to see a Charles Air Jordan performance because win, lose, or draw, this guy puts on a performance that just, it's, it's, he's, he's good. He's, he's going to keep climbing up in the rankings, putting on great performances. And I promise sooner or later, he will be fighting for a title. Cause he's one of those guys where like you, he's so well-rounded. He mixes the martial arts so well. You can't, there's nothing you can take away from him. He did, he did a very good job. And, and you see the performance bonuses here as, um, on the on the screen, if you're watching this on video, you know Claudio Puelas and Andrade both got performance bonuses. And um, excuse me, sorry for that burp. And um, Friday night went to Grant and um, and Condo Condosco Condosco Condosco, excuse me, Sergey Condazo and the Freelums. So, so I mean, that's those are the performance winners, the bon the bonus winners rather. But yeah, great performance by Charles Jordan. First, it you was- know, Go ahead. Yeah, it was an excellent performance, man. Excellent performance. Excellent performance, and I feel bad for Lampanada, though. I kind of feel bad. His shorts fell out, fell down while he was getting submitted. That's just... Thank God was only on the wear. Hey. Hey. <laughs> thank yeah. God, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, from there, we can move on from that fight to the uh, first fight on the main card. Mark Andrew Barot versus Jordan Wright. This ends in the uh, first round. Mark Andrew Barolt wins this via mounted guillotine. This happened very, very quickly as well. This yeah. was very, very quick. Austin, I, you, you break this down. To me. You break this down. I see like Jordan Wright was was trying so hard to get a takedown. He was he was trying really hard. Which if you're trying that hard to get a takedown, that's a bad strategy. Because if you don't, if you do get it, you're gonna tie yourself out. Essentially, if you're tired stuff out and just goes later on, you can be in world trouble, easy to get finished. But it seemed like he was very desperate at takedown. And uh, Mark Andre Bar, um, Bar, what's your, wait, how do you say his last or Borette, but no, Borot, okay. If I'm actually, he's French Canadian, I know that. I, I, just, yes. I forgot to say the, Brent, the French pronunciation. Um, Borot, um, was able to, uh, get it, was able to get a guillotine for a lot. You know, because Jordan Wright kept going for takedowns, and but Jordan Wright kind of made a mistake by putting his head in position to get guillotine twice. Like the first time, going for a double leg, his head was towards the left towards um Bardo's right side, his left side, and it was a and there was a guillotine. And you know, Bardo had a guillotine on, but I guess Jordan Wright was able to escape. And then he went for a single leg, but left himself open for being guillotine again, and and Bardo was able to guillotine him. Through his left arm, and once he got in that guillotine, it was. T- I mean, Jordan Wright had no choice but to tap. Good victory for Barrow, but also Jordan Wright gotta, you know, be careful where he puts head when he's going for takedowns, cause he let himself wide open for getting guillotine twice, and it cost him. Usually, when wrestlers do it, they're very careful of avoiding like guillotines or put stuff, but they put the heads in certain angles to where even if someone goes for a guillotine, they're not gonna get it. And Jordan Wright did not do that in this fight. But they also drive themselves. Like, they also... You notice DC loves talking about this stuff. He goes, if you're going to drive in with the shot and your head is in that direction, you better drive him into an L direction, too. You got to change angles. 
give yourself a uh, you know uh, uh give yourself the, the the ability to change angles like give it suddenly that way they're not just going in one direction their body is going to get used to going in one direction and they're going to slowly but surely stabilize themselves but if you cut them off at an angle drive it into an l angle at the right sharp right turn whichever direction you go you're gonna get them down on the ground. They're gonna, their body is gonna naturally tell them instead of holding on to your neck, I gotta get my whereabouts of myself. So now their arms are gonna let go of your neck and they're gonna be more so trying to see where they're at on the ground, things of that nature. You gotta, I mean, it's, I'm not a world-class wrestler. I'm just repeating what DC says on the uh, commentary. On the commentary. is when you're driving in with the shot like that, give them a different angle. Yeah, that's good. And that's a good point when you think about it. When you really think about DC set, that makes sense. But even if you're not a world class wrestler, you go, oh yeah, that should make sense. Yeah, you, you should. And then Jordan Wright did not do that. And then that cost him big time in this fight as, as Marc Andre Barrett was able to pull a guillotine and choke him out. DC Different. says. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new guy. That's <laughs> you know what? <laughs> we got to make a new uh, uh, segment in the show. DC says. <laughs> DC says yes. I mean, shout out to him, Cormier. I mean, shout shout him out. Great fighter and turned out to be a very good. You know, turned out to be pretty good. Um, color commentator for the most part. Although at times I have my issues with him, but but generally he's good for the most part. You know, shout I out love, to the legend. I love it when DC is commentating. It's to a point now. I I don't even watch other sports like that. That you know other combat sports like that it's really uh, uh mma and boxing for me but when i click i was channel surfing one time and i go to ncaa wrestling march madness you know who's on commentary cormier cormier i had to sit there and listen i don't even know i don't know a lick spit about wrestling the coll collegiate style wrestling i don't know about how to get their pins and this that it all don't make sense to me, not one bit. But I'm listening to DC, and DC is going. He's breaking down game, letting us know everything that needs to uh, be going on. So I'm like, hey, I got to listen to what DC says. Yeah. Because DC said. DC says. That might be in the segment, but shout out to Cormier, though. And, um, yeah, um, that was the main card of, uh, of uh, UFC Vegas 52, um, Lamos and Andrade. And you said something about bear scene earlier that that it was something else. You want to talk about it? Yeah, we can get right into it, man. Um, first off, before we uh, like you said, uh, Dwight Dwight Grant versus uh Sergey uh Condozo Condosco. Congratulations cool. to those guys in the preliminaries because they were you know at they. Very, very good fight from both of them. I can't even, like, the words escape me to describe how good of a fight this was. Both of them are so incomplete as prospects. You see that there's room to grow for both of these guys. But what they had, they threw it. Like, it didn't, like, it's like, hey, whatever, man. Like, wh whatever I gotta do, I gotta let everything go. It is what it is, bro. Like, I, I'm, it. <laughs> I gotta get this win. I gotta get it any way possible that I can. I need this win. And that's that that's what both of them came into that ring with. And 
Just thank you guys so much, those two. Now we can get into it. Before I mentioned, I just I just looked it up. This is this was Sergey's first fight in two nap in two in over two years too. And it was a great fight. He looked like he didn't miss a beat. He was so good. Yeah, he was to, so good. He was on Diamond Crew stuff. Ring Russell Matter. Mm-hmm. Cruz likes to say. But now that. I gotta get into it. Mike Jackson versus Dean Barry. First fight of the preliminaries. I mean, Dean Barry, you don't excuse yourself. Excuse me, because you have to be in control of your weapons. Two kicks to the lower section. And then I hope you don't do yourself any favors. But Mike Jackson, bro, for you to be talking the most junk that you're talking while you got kicked in your butt, like, it doesn't, it, I don't know how else to say it, Austin. You know it don't feel right when you have, like, a fighter got hurt, like, uh, uh, like they got legitimately, he legitimately got, he got kicked in an unpleasant area. It was, you know, legitimately got kicked in an unpleasant area. Right. But you're talking the most trash possible while you got kicked in the junk. Both times. And then you the eye poke and you're talking junk still. And then you win the fight, which I ugh, ugh. I don't know. I a part of me wants me a part of me wants them to run it back, but then a part of me is like that was such a that was such a like a disaster. That I don't need to, you know, you, you know, you don't want to see a disaster be repeated. Right. It's like, ugh, ugh, I'm good. How Mike Jackson is the luckiest MF to be, mother to be part in the UFC. I mean, this guy, this guy fought against Nikki Gall. And remember in the, remember early on 2016, and the winner was supposed to fight CM Punk when he made his debut in the UFC. Yes. Nikki Gall won that fight. And then, and then his next fight, I believe, was against CM Punk in, in that UFC 225, and he wins that fight. But then, well, didn't he get in trouble because he got suspended for weed or something? I think that fight got returned or something. And then this guy is still in the UFC. I mean, what the, what the heck? I mean, I, I'm trying. I did he win a fight before this? Besides the CM Punk fight. I mean, this guy, the fact this guy's still in the UFC, and, he, and the UFC still has a contract with him, I mean, what are you doing? What the? What the? F- I always want to say it. What? The, I, what? The, what are you doing with this? Why is he part of UFC? I know he's trying to open. You know he's the opening prelim, but still, he's the number one MMA organization in the world, and you got this guy here. I mean, seriously. Like, it is. It, I mean, this this is a bigger issue I have with UFC than some of these guys that fight on these cards, or guys that are not UFC quote quote caliber. I mean, it's supposed. But it's like, what the? Really, UFC? What are y'all doing? It's not even that, man. Maybe, like, it, it's somewhere along the way, this guy showed he had the capability of doing more. And I think once you get to the UFC, like, guys get comfortable, man. Yeah, but he was, yeah, but he's, he was, what, he was like, what? An oh no fighter? Before he fought Mickey Cole? Or one, one, I forgot, like, this guy he's had to, I mean, ugh. Get out of here. Shut Austin, guys wow. get comfortable, bro. 
Guys get comfortable, bro. That's yeah, but he was never he he never was grindy or or, 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 go, or near greatness. He just got into UFC. It wasn't like he was worked his way there. Not even that. Uh, to say that, that mean he was working towards something, was proving, doing great, and then just got comfortable. That's not the case with him at all. You don't know. You don't know to what levels. Like, all right, all right. You ready? You ready for this? Okay. Hi. Some guys, when they, because we have we have fans in here that love watching the NBA. Some guys, when they get to the NBA, it isn't enough for them to just be in the NBA. They got to get to that next contract. Some guys know, regardless of that next contract, as long as I get some achievements, then the next contract's gonna come. Some guys just know, hey, I gotta win rings and things. It's win, it's rings and things. Then I, you know, it like I can, I, you know, the, whatever the money comes after that, it is what it is. They're gonna know my value. And some guys like they, they, they made it. They got drafted. That's it. Like, bro, I won. You yeah. beat the odds. And some, yeah. like, for some people, like, it's to what degree did you plan to stop or keep going? That's really it. And what I'm saying, and. Maybe this guy decided it was worth it to stop at just getting the UFC contract. Yeah, but those guys worked to get to the NBA. Those guys actually worked and weren't gifted an NBA opportunity. That would be good at high school, be good at AU ball before, I think be good at college, or a national ball get drafted. This guy is not the case for him. Well, this guy was a, a good prospect in the amateurs or, or the regional scene, then got in the UFC by Mickey Gall. Not the case at all. They just got... Him and Mickey Gall, considering both guys were 1-0 or 0-0, and then winner, and then and then they started keeping around, fighting CM Punk, who, who didn't belong to UFC. He knows the fan is a wrestler, didn't belong to UFC. He's just been gifted gifts, and theme, and Dean Barry. I'm not saying he should be left off the hook, but he shouldn't. But at the same time, here's my issue, right? Is that Mike Jackson did this, and he's got a victory. Like I remember talking to Jedi about this, like. We had the discussion. Dean Barry looked like the better prospect. Yeah, because I think he takes it. Yeah, exactly. He looked like the way better prospect. Looked like the guy that just his striking was so much better that I'm like, ugh, it's disappointing. It was just so disappointing. I'm uh, and it's like, you know what, man? I I want to see more of Dean Barry. I I feel like we're talking too much about this. Yeah, I, I mean, like it is what it is. I mean, this is it is what it is. Pitiful. Like, cause, cause this is, yeah, this is a pitiful, pitiful. Any other one to talk about before we before we go to Bellator 279? Um, I just want to break this down real quick, just because I saw it, so I can't lie to you and say that I didn't see it. Actually, um, I spent the time to see it. Uh. Tyson Fury versus Dylan White. Tyson oh, that's... Fury wins that fight. Uh, in the, I think what was it in the sixth round? Yeah, he knocked out Dylan White in the sixth round. This was um easy victory. I easy thought... victory. Yeah. And and he, he, Jedi is saying that Barry looked like one. Ah oh, man, whatever. We'll get into it later. But yeah, easy victory for Tyson Fury. Dylan White. Uh, to me personally didn't provide much more of a challenge his strikes were too wild i didn't it just uh i uh, 
I was I was paying attention. I saw his fights and Dylan Dylan White missed a lot of shots, like especially overhand rights. He missed badly. And he, I don't think he, I don't think he landed a punch to Teddy Fury's head. I mean the body shots he landed. And it's now easier considering Fury's six nine. It's easy to hit his body. Body, excuse me. But yeah, he missed badly with headshots. I mean Fury just dodging, just just dodging him, making it look easy. I only glossed around. It, and he just knocked him out with uppercut out of nowhere. That it is like, oh what? Just hit the uppercut, and then that was it. I mean, in front of Wembley too, 90,000 people in Wembley Stadium. I mean, that historic arena over there in England. And then, I mean, I, I mean what what performance for Fury? I mean, it might be his best performance of his career. But if you think about it. Most dominant, not the best. You and I both know we consider domination and best to be two different things. Some in order for it same. to be, yeah, no, no. In order for it yeah. to be the best performance, I think the fighter across from you has to challenge you. That way, he brings out something that we didn't see before. That way, it goes, oh, we didn't see that from him before. It dragged him to a depth that we didn't see before, and things of that nature. Like that's why it's. A, you know, t you tell me which is a better performance from Israel Adesanya, him versus Kelvin Gastelum or him versus Marvin Vittori the second time around. I'm gonna go. I I'll go Kelvin Gastelum, but the best Israel Adesanya performance would have to be the Paul Costa fight. That was the most dominant performance. Yeah, I, I don't think like the best. The follow was undefeated, came at him, he just made him look like a fool. It can be both sometimes. Paulo, I mean, I know I know Paulo's on our downs. He were all down on him, obviously, afterwards. No, like, that's not you. even it. No, that's, that's not even what I'm saying. I'm saying as far as, like, if you... To me, like, I, I think part of the best performance is, like, like... Part of the best performances, it's got to be a back and forth. I think, I think for me, it's like the the fighter has to drag out something to you to where it doesn't look so easy. The Paulo Costa fight with Israel Adesanya, it looked easy. And I know Paulo Costa, like he he was he was a guy undefeated. His name was ringing bells, all that. But Izzy told us what he was gonna do, and then he did it. Not to you know. It's dominant, but I don't think it was his best performance. Like, I think best performance is uh, something where, like, the other fighter, he, like I said, I think he he brings something out of you. That way, we didn't like we find out about the uh, the we find out about the guys. We find out about both guys. We learned something about both guys. I mean, I it can be at times. I mean. I, I mean, so in your opinion, you think Fury's best performance was the third Wilder fight when he got dropped twice but still knocked him out? Right, the first one? There's a, yeah, there's a discussion for that. There's even his Klitschko fight. People are saying that could have been his best performance. Uh, there are fights where, you know, I think... Ah, man. Ah. Here's the other thing about Tyson Fury, too, man. Uh... No one's going to provide him a challenge at this point in the heavyweight division. 
I don't think anyone has a skill set and has the enough power to get to to get through him at this point. So when he threatens to retire, it's because he's truly a mismatch for everyone. I think he's realized that the only way you get him back into the into the ring is with a fighter like Francis Ngannou because it seems so foreign. An MMA fighter fighting a UFC fighter. It's in the uh, uh, I mean, a, a fighting a boxer. In the boxing ring, like how could is this gonna go the same way as uh Connor versus Floyd? It could or it couldn't, because then again, these guys are heavyweights and it usually just takes one punch. But then uh Tyson Fury has a world of skill, but it's not like uh Francis Ngannou has no skill on in the handset as well either. It's just that we've seen him be outclassed by fighters in uh you know striking because we've seen diverse strikers against him. But I've never seen anyone just really piece him up on the hands like that. It's a rare occasion, especially after he was getting, uh, uh, you know, after he switched camps. We saw a different Francis Ngannou, so that's my only thing with Fury and bringing that up. That's that's what I wanted to say there. I mean, shout out to Tyson Fury. I mean, definitely, definitely um, like I said, I mean, I don't know if his last boxing fight, but I mean, definitely entertaining. One more cares. Colorful characters in the history of boxing. You really think about it. Tyson Fury, those stories, personality, and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Thanks to I, I know what thought I, I, I know the term Dawson. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that is. I mean, other things too. Fury. I mean. Anyway, shout out Tyson Fury. I mean, like I said. Uh, let's see. Good, great career for his last fight. If it is your last fight, great career. Great career, yeah. Lineal champ, retiring with some championships under your belt. You're not, re you're not leaving the sport like last time, where it was a bit of a, you know, you having to get right and you, know, you, you coming down from from where you were and back up. Now you retire the right way. You retire on top. So congratulations yep. to Tyson Fury and a, a great all, all in all, um, great um career. Oh, okay. Uh, let's get right back into the to, to the MMA, bro. Yeah, okay. Let's we go about Bellator at two day two um two day events in Hawaii, same in Hawaii as well. You had um first night was Friday night, two seventy eight, two seventy nine, and also headlined by females as well in the women's um, featherweight division as the women's featherweight the featherweight titles online seeing Chris Cyborg. And, uh, and Aaron Blanco in the rematch. Cyborg had previously defeated Blanco two years ago via first via um, submission first in the first round from Cyborg's first submission victory. Now this fight was completely different from the first fight, so as um, as it was four, as as it was a five round decision, 49-45. The reason why it's 49-45 instead of 50-45 is because in the first round Cyborg took down Blanco. I know she dropped her, and then they got on the ground, and Cy and Blanco had her hands on the ground, and Cyborg was kneeing and accidentally near her head. And after uh, Jason Herzog had warned Cyborg to not do that, I believe, and Herzog took a point away from Cyborg, but it didn't matter anyway. I mean, Cyborg was able to win this fight, but this fight was entertaining. What? It was an entertaining fight. I know it was five rounds she won, but it was very, it was a competitive five rounds to zero type of fight. That makes yes. sense. Yes, I go. Go ahead, go ahead. Because Blanco kept returning several shots at Cyborg, even though I believe both times Cyborg got knocked down, she was all balanced both times. But but Blanco did land punch that you know that that made Cyborg fall down despite her being all balanced. 
and Splanko came through, and the punches, the punches they each landed were, were even at the end of the fight. The you know, punches they threw and landed were kind of even. Well, Cyborg, how Cyborg won the fight was kicking. She drew a lot more kicks and front kicks, you know, front kicks or leg kicks and body kicks than um, Blanco, and that's what really was the big difference in the fight was kicking ability of Cyborg. Oh. Okay, okay, because I was about to say the CompuBox uh, had a different story uh, through the fifth round. No, I mean, they the probably fight. landed, you know, punch uh, to punches. punches, punch to punch. They probably landed the same amount, but CompuBox had it that uh, <laughs> Cyborg landed about 52% of her shots through the fifth round versus yeah. Arlene Blanco landing 36, uh, something around 36, 38%. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the fifth round she starts playing a little less than typically, but it was very competitive striking, and I didn't realize about Blanco that Blanco was a former um was a boxing champion. She was she won two belts, WBA and IBF championship in boxing. I didn't realize yeah, like a steam, I, a steam boxing in her background, but Cyborg, which just you know, had you know did drop her in the first round, just quicker to the punches and strikes in general, and. It was a pretty entertaining fight, and Blanco showed her heart and was able to hurt catch Cyborg several times in the fight. She didn't. She challenged, you know, usually Cyborg dominates women and finishes them, just beats them a blur in. You know, she dominated, you know, she was pretty, it was a decided victory for Cyborg. It wasn't a dominant, it wasn't exactly a victory where Cyborg just destroyed somebody either. Blanco fought back, was able to do these very well against Cyborg, was able to, hurt, you know, catch her and rock, you know, hit her several times in this fight. And it was very competitive, you know, back and forth since the strike to the punches. Everything else, Cyborg definitely won. And we're and and what do you thought of this fight, Dan? Like I agree with you 100%. Uh, the difference maker for Cyborg, like you said, it was the, uh, the the diversity in striking and really particularly the leg strikes. She was able to deliver the middle kick up the middle that if it didn't hit Arlene Blanco in the face. It struck her solar plexus plenty of times, kept pushing Arlene Blanco back. And then you had the high kick to the head, which it didn't it, it didn't land a whole bunch of times, but it landed enough that when she, you know, kept throwing it on her arms, it uh, made Arlene Blanco's arms a little tired. And so all in all, Cyborg, just, it was, she was such a diverse fighter. It was diverse striking and even went to the ground a couple of times. She was able to get, you know, her, the fight was really hers to take on the ground with the ground and pound and things of that nature. Yep. She kind of went away from it in the end of the, uh, you know, after the second round. She kind of went away from the grappling and things of that nature. We, we all asking, including Big John McCarthy and myself, we were all asking, why did she go away from the striking or go away from the ground game? The ground game was really going to help her out, but she was comfortable enough on her hands and feet. And it was to a point where Arlene Blanco tried to play with, um, she tried to uh, uh, fight uh, Cyborg's ego, you know, tried to have her come in the middle of the ring and let's make it a, 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 a brawl. And if it was a brawl, I think Arlene Blanco would have had her, uh, had her uh, a chance to win, truly. But Cyborg was composed through clean strikes. It was clean striking all the way through. It wasn't like, uh, uh, it wasn't something like, I got a liking this too, but like uh, Nunez with the Pena fight, we saw it with Nunez, it wasn't disciplined striking. She didn't have disciplined striking, but with Cyborg, it was disciplined striking that uh, that fight. So, a great, great fight from uh, Cyborg. 
very, very fantastic fight. Shout out to Blank. Yeah, and Blank goes super staying there and and actually, you know, doing good against Cyborg and actually probably reverse some of a challenge and pushback. And definitely way better than the first fight for Blanco, you know, because, you know, definitely she, she apparently in the first fight, she, her training camp was kind of off, was not exactly greatest because of, you know, the COVID restrictions. And now she had a better training camp and she showed in this fight, definitely show like showcase that, you know, with full training camp, she can definitely do a better job and good job with Cyborg. And she did. So shout out to her and Cyborg. Hopefully I like to see her and Kathleen Gano next or her and Kayla Harrison. I mean, I know. I mean, she mentioned, you know, Tagano, Kayla, or she even said Amanda, but that's not, UFC doesn't do cross promotion, so that yeah. one I rule out. But, the, but Tagano, they're both in Bellator, that seems more likely. And even Kev, even though Kayla Harrison, I would not rule out either in terms of that fight. I mean, I mean, Kayla just re signed with PFL, so. But, but, you know, but the thing is, if it talks, PFL was, was open to doing a cross promotion. That's what I heard. But I've heard Scott Coker, he put it out there himself. He's like, hey, don't tag me on Twitter. Call me like a man. <laughs> That's what he's putting out there. So, um. Sound like Will Smith. The tone, the cadence, sound like Will Smith. The way at the. At the... Let's not, let's not do I that. I know, I know. Let's not do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, but no, no, like the way, but yeah, um, I, I understand what he's talking about. You know, if you're gonna. Do a call on the phone. Don't just Twitter him and just try to get hyped and not be serious about the cross promotion. I understand where he's coming from, mm -hmm. Scott Coker. I mean, from right there, we yeah. let's move on from the this fight. I really want to get into this one. Ooh, me too. I know you're talking about in the Coleman event, Rob in the Bellator Bantamweight tournament, the first round, but also the interim championships on the line too, because unfortunately Sergio Pez is hurt now the tournament. So the winner of the tournament will get a million dollars and an interim bantamweight title. Well, it was between Rafael Stas and Juan Archuleta as Rafael Stas wins this fight via TKO with, with knee punches, 16 seconds in the third round. This fight, Juan Archuleta won the first two rounds. Juan Archuleta was was out wrestling Stas and even even had good striking too, catching him several times in the, in the striking department. I mean, there was a point in the first round where he lifted it, where he picked up Stouts, and Stouts was like high in the air, you know, where Stouts went up high in the air, and just, it looked a cool visual, but Archuleta was doing very well. You know, grappling with him, wrestling him, which is surprising, considering Stouts is pretty good wrestler. You know, Archuleta has a wrestling background, but he decided to wrestle with him, which Stouts even self-admitted that he was surprised by that, because guys usually don't try to do that, and he was kind of surprised. But and Stout and like I said, Archuleta was able to catch him in the striking department several times. But that third round, that third round came and he hit him with a high, with a left high kick, and the knee. It was the knee that the kick didn't land towards the foot, but the knee caused Archuleta. And once that knee caught Archuleta, it, he Archuleta was was down. Archuleta basically was knocked was knocked down. Basically at the basically done. And well, almost, he was he was wobbly, and then just Stout hit him with the um, ground and pound. And that was it. Impressive, impressive victory for Rafael Stouts. I mean, out of nowhere, crazy. I mean, I mean, I, I, you go ahead and speak on this fight, Dan. I know you want to speak on it. I immediately, I immediately texted Austin. Yes, he did. I told him, I said, this is a great fight. Archuleta was winning the first two rounds. And funny that Rafael Stouts wins this fight in similar fashion 
the way uh, um, Sergio Pettis won his last fight against Kyoji Horiguchi. Where Kyoji Horiguchi, he was dominating the first. Um, that that fight ended in the fourth round, I believe. Yes, right? fourth round. Yes, you're fourth right. Round, Kyoji Horiguchi's dominating all three rounds. Fourth round, you come in. It's a spinning back fist. I don't know where chicken leg dance. You guys know. If you're MMA fans, you know the chicken leg dance. We've all seen the chicken leg dance. Yes. Juan Archuleta hit that chicken leg dance due to the high knee. He goes down. And to me, personally, I think the elbow from, from Rafion Stotts wakes him up. He's out cold. I think the minute he hits the ground, he's out cold. And Rafion Stotts comes out of nowhere. Boom! With the elbow. Ground and pound, right? And the elbow makes his head bounce off the canvas. Excuse me. Excuse me. And that's what wakes uh, uh, um, Juan Archuleta up. But other than that, man, this is this was Juan Archuleta's fight. Like you, you ever hear that statement? It's someone's fight to lose. Yeah. It was his fight to lose, and um, not to say. He did something wrong. He didn't. These are just two game-bred dogs, man. These are just... These are just two guys that are just... They're... They're highly... Like, there's a reason these guys are in the Grand Prix. Yeah. There right is a that. reason. So, like, it's... When you have that going on, it's like, yo, I, um... That happened. It's like, yo, it... Ish happens. I can't even. I don't even want to. Bleep happens. You just gotta move on with life. Like I mean, why not you let it just like it's no one of those things where you, you like he can't watch the tape and go. You know what? From now on, I'm gonna be guard. I'm gonna be on guard all the time from every high kick. No, that's just it happens. Yeah, it happens. Like you just move on. You gotta. The, the high kick didn't exactly land. It was at the knee of Stouts when he was throwing it. It's what connected. And, that knee, and Stouts is, you know, kind of a taller guy. And, you know, could be Archuleta. And that knee, once that knee caught him, I mean, it was game over. I mean, that, that knee is what did. It, it, it really could have been that knee is what did uh, Archuleta. And, and Archuleta did a chicken dance. Or Stouts said the stinky leg. And, you know, and that was the He and did fell. the stinky and, leg and hit the timber. And he's yeah. like, whoa, buddy. And Stouts is. That's so entertaining as a, a post-fight conference. He's so entertaining. I agree. I like Stouts. I, I'm starting to become a big Rafael Stouts guy. I love. He's entertaining at the press conferences, at the fighter. He's entertaining at the in his interviews, his comments. He's just a fun, entertaining guy. I would, I would love to interview him. That'd be awesome if we ever got a chance to interview Rafael Stouts. I'd love to, cause yeah, he is such a high energy guy. It feels like he is, his energy is infectious. Yes, I agree. And and Stouts moves on to the semifinals, and I mentioned you know Danny Sabatello earlier. If Sabatello beats Leandro Higo, it'll be Sabatello and um it's Stouts in the semifinals, or you know if that happens, or Higo wins the Higo and Stouts. So we know that Stouts is on the semifinals, and, and it's gonna take the winner of the versus. The, it's gonna take on the winner of Higo and Sabatello after you know the world wins that fight June 24th. But great victory for Stouts, man! Great victory. And Ron Chaletta, I mean, he still won the top bantamweights in that in the Bellator. I mean, he was he was doing very well until that third round. Doing very well. I mean, that's why I said this tournament, anyone can win this tournament. That's why I was, that's why I was so excited about this, this tournament. And a guy in Ron Chaletta doing well. 
But yeah, he lost. Yep. I mean, I mean, free. I mean, in a pretty surprising way too. But shout out to Rafael Stouts, moving on. To, he's the interim Bellator bantamweight champion, and he's in the semifinals. So good, good job for him. Oh yeah, and we. I I can't wait to see more of Rafael Stouts. Like you said, you're a fan. I'm a fan. We here for it. Yep. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that guy is just yeah. Factious. Yep. And and we're gonna move on to the next fight. The next fight was in the women's flyweight division between Justine Kish and Liam May McFarland, who was a former who was a former women's flyweight champion in Bellator. And it's her first fight since losing the title back in December 2020. And it's her return fight in her home home her hometown of Honolulu, Hawaii. She had a great great entrance, you know, very like Hawaiian like um entrance with all the uh she had a very cool unique entrance, you know, very showcasing her you know the culture of hawaii and, and things like that etc and this fight justine kish wins this fight via unanimous decision 29 28 two judges four cards and 30 27 one now what, what are your thoughts on this fight dan did you agree with the, the 30 27 and 29 28 i thought it was closer to a 29 28 alimale mcfarland she was putting up a good fight justin kish was really one step ahead, but it, it felt like there could have been more throughout the fight consistently. There were times where they were striking where it could have been, they could have, I think it felt like they could have maybe taken a little bit more gambles getting into the pocket here and there. Maybe you go into the clinch some more, things of that nature. There are times where they were grappling, both of them, where it felt like neither of them were going for uh, submissions here and there. It was just control time. It's a lot of control time and it, it I'm, I'm more so in agreement with 29-28. I think, yeah, because I thought Lily won that second round, too. I thought it was clearly her round. And she dropped her. I know the third round she dropped her. I think the second round, too. I know she rocked her a couple of times. Uh, just seeing McFarland rocked Kish a couple of times in, this, in, that, in the fight. But, well, excuse me. But it seemed like Kish was just, you know, it like she had more strength than, um, than Lily. Like, she was a little bit more stronger than her at set times. And especially in the grappling exchanges that came... They became more prevalent, and Kish is able to use, I guess, her strength and guess, and guess her strength to go out there and just uh, control Lim Lay and also take her down as well. And you know, Lim Lay went for submission at times, but she really didn't get any. And Kish, Kish was able to again control her, and you know, she could have done more, like you said, um, Chef Dan. Kish could have, and even Lim Lay, but she was able to do enough to. To get the victory and spoil the hometown come home hometown um hometown hometown coming or return for Lehman McFarland. Considering that crowd was really into this fight, I mean that I mean I mean that crowd when she came out was was if I mean that crowd was electric. I mean they were really into that fight the most for her when she came out. I mean that that fight and the Yancey Madero fight, considering he's from Hawaii too. Yep. I mean we'll talk about that fight because that was a good fight as well. But um yeah. I, Lily Mae McFarland, I mean, surprise, you know, surprised she lost. Cause I thought she was gonna win this fight despite the layoff, but I was wrong. Kish did a good, did a good job. Was able to um, spoil the home, home, the homecoming for Lily Lay. I think, uh, uh, yeah, they, like you said, Justin Kish really uh, spoiled the homecoming, and it, Justin Kish, I think she was just, you know, coming off of a three-fight losing streak. She wanted to get that win back. She wanted to get it like by any means necessary. So with it. And it's perfect that you put the pressure on her of having a hometown fighter be her opponent. So both of them have a little bit of extra incentive 
to put on the best performance. And, you know, it was just a, it, it was a good performance by Justine Kish. Something to just get her off the uh, three-fight losing streak. But we, it's more work to be done. You and I both know it's more work to be done. Yep, I agree. More work to be, more work to be done. And because of this fight, it basically guarantees a rematch between Liz and um, Julio Vasquez for the flyweight title. Considering the only other girl who would throw a mixed her name in there just lost. Because she was number one ranked fighter coming to this fight. Olivia yep. McFarlane. So, yeah. I guess we can move on to the other Bantamweight title, the Bantamweight tournament fight in this card in the first round between Kyoji Horiguchi and Patchy Mix. And as Patchy Mix wins this fight via unanimous decision, 48-47, all three judges, all three judges scorecards. And I totally agree with the decision. And um, this was a very, very a style, a fight between grappler versus striker type of fight. You know, Horiguchi is not a bad grappler himself, but Max Mix is very good grappling. I mean, high level jiu-jitsu, high level grappling. And, and, and Mix won the rounds 1, 3, and 5 because he was able to get the fight to the ground and control Horiguchi. In that first round, he had several submission attempts. Even the third round on Horiguchi. And, and several submission attempts on him where Horiguchi was really working just to get, you know, prevent, just to prevent himself from getting submitted. Make it tough for him to get up. In the, in the fight, but you know, but give Horiguchi credit for not getting submitted, for getting out of those dangerous positions and staying active. And then in the second and fourth round, when Horiguchi, I mean, excuse me, when Mix couldn't take Horiguchi down, Horiguchi was able to get in and out with strikes, you know, with speed, get in and out, land a couple shots, get out, land some body shots, get out, land some leg kicks, because uh, Mix let, left his leg open to be leg kicks for a while, and Horiguchi in the second round particularly threw several leg kicks at uh, Mix. And that's how Horiguchi won round two and four, was basically getting out of strikes, you know, getting out, you know, preventing Mix from grabbing a hold of him. Or even when Mix got a hold of him, he was able to get, you know, get out, get out, get out, you know, get out of the clinch, and get out of the, and get, and get away from Mix, and able to throw some strikes, and, you know, land on Mix. And Mix was fought more patiently than he did against one Archuleta, because in a, in, a, in a title fight, which was also five rounds, Mix won the first two rounds, but then he got frustrated because, he couldn't submit on one Archuleta despite, despite having trouble in the first two rounds and, and fought one Archuleta's fight of, of trying to, you know, of trying to stand stand and trade shots. And also, um, he got, he got you know, he got so frustrated, he lost focus, and Archuleta was able to use that to win round three, four, and five in their title fights. And, but Mix didn't do that this time. Mix basically went out there and and was it was more patient and more calm and was able to get the, and was able to get the takedowns we need to and, and get the grappling exchanges and Hor and he was able to be Horiguchi and advance in the Samites finals of this tournament and you know Horiguchi another guy that people thought could win a tournament especially after his recent performances is out in the first round that just shows you how talented this bantamweight tournament is where anyone can win in my opinion and and what we thought of the fight um Dan um. I never expected to see Horiguchi in the way that it was because Patchy Mix, it, it takes two to tango. And as dominant as Patchy Mix was on the ground, part of him showing that dominance is if you have a guy who can't really defend himself against ground attacks. And my only issue, like the only issue I could come out of this fight was like, I knew Patchy Mix deserved to win that fight. Then you're watching it from a stance of Kyoji or Gucci, and you ask yourself, why did you keep giving up the back? 
you just kept giving up the back and you had no way of fighting the hands and the body triangle you weren't systematically you didn't have any defense for the takedown yeah. just didn't I know what they think of with that is maybe that was his only way of getting up but even then that's still against a great grappler and Apache mix you don't want to do that either that's the only reason I could think of why he kept giving up his back. That's the only thing I could think of. But still, it's not exactly the best idea, like you mentioned, Dan. It's not. It's. It, it's not, and it was just um. You saw it, man. It felt like, if anything, Patchy Mix decided for rounds two and round four. I'm not gonna like it. It, it was. It was a smart tactic. I'm not gonna chase Kyoji Horiguchi. If I chase him, I play his game. I'm just gonna back up. He's comfortable darting in and out of range. I'm going to find out when he's comfortable, you know, darting in and in and in. And as I keep backing up, he's not going to have complete control of range because we're going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. And when he doesn't see it, I'm going to shoot. And whenever he shot, he got all the takedowns he wanted. So it was just a dominant performance for Patchy Mix. Rounds one, three, and five, it was completely dominant. And it almost felt like to a point where, like, he let Kyoji Horiguchi take rounds two and four in order to truly cement the fact that he could take round five. Because just when it felt like there was a chance for Kyoji Horiguchi darting in and out to get round five, I think there was a swing. There was a momentum swinger around round five where both of those guys looked very tired. And out of nowhere, Patchy Mix takes him down and that's it. I said from there, he's got the fight. Yeah, I mean, that's a good. That's yeah, you're right about the fifth round. I think about that. That's a good point there. But um, yeah, great victory for Patchy Mix, be the former Bellator bantamweight champion Kyoji Horiguchi, and the biggest victory of his career as he moves on to the semifinals to fight the winner of Magomed Magomedov and um, and um, and um, not Sabatello. Um, oh wait, oh, let me um, Enrique Barzola. There we go, Enrique Barzola. The winner of that fight. Or wins that fight June 24th. But great victory for Patchy Mix. Definitely makes Five's career, wins it, and moves on to the semifinals of the Bellator Bantamweight Tournament. As we as we can go on to the first fight of the main card, which was in the lightweight division between Hawaii's own against Madero Maderos and Manuel Sanchez. And hang on, <coughs> sorry. I did not know Gansi Madero left the UFC. I was shocked. Like last week when I found out he was on Bellator in his card, I was like, because I assume he's in the UFC because. He's been in UFC for so long that this threw me off. I was like, wait, he's in Bellator? He's on his card? Right? Weren't you surprised? Also, were you surprised also? I was a bit surprised, but I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't pay attention to this because at the same time that this fight was going on, the UFC main card was going on. So I, I you know, I, I couldn't, I had to pick one or the other. Oh, no, I understand. No, uh, and this fight was very entertaining. This was a very good fight back and forth. Yancy Maduro has, you know, moments where he was outstriking Sanchez. Sanchez had moments where he caught Maduro. Um, yeah, Yancy Maduro. And I think, I'm trying to remember, was there grappling involved in this fight? I think there was some grappling, if I'm mistaken. I think, I think Sanchez tried for it, but didn't work. I believe so. I could be wrong. I could, I, I, I could be wrong. And, and this was, but either way, um, great entertaining fight. Back and forth, Yancy Maduro. Was especially that there, I mean, especially that you know, Yancey did enough to win this fight, and that third round was very exciting. Where I think Yancey or or um, Emmanuel Sanchez did like the Max Holloway, like you know, maybe the center in the octagon with straight shots towards the end. 
And I say Max Holloway because you remember Max Holloway when he fought um, Ricardo Lamas back in June 2016. UFC 199, he did the same exact thing and they traded shots at the end. And I find it ironic. Uh, yeah, it was Maduro who did it. And I, and I, and I, and I find rock that the other Hawaii, another Hawaiian fighter does the same exact thing towards the end, the end of a third round of a fight. It just goes to, you know, the strong point you were making earlier because this this card was such a great card that like the two day event for 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 a UF for excuse me for an MMA uh program to host a two day event do you know how many fighters they had to have on the payroll how many guys they had to pay consistently but you keep them there because Hawaii is such a beautiful place and the crowd was so invested it's like you said all the time Austin uh, uh UFC is doing a disservice by not having a card in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. They, they are doing the service not having a card in Hawaii, UFC. I mean, Bellator is able to do three shows here in the history. I, I hope you know UFC can do it. I, I, I want to see I want to see UFC do it, especially for Max Holloway, considering Holloway's been Holloway for a while, and they had other a good, they had a decent amount of Hawaiian fighters on the car on the roster. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry about that, but um. Yeah, they had a bunch of. They did have several UFC fighters on the on the roster who were from Hawaii, and Max Holloway was a long-term champion and one of the biggest names they got. I thought it'd be fair to bring go Hawaii just for him, and hopefully at this this event that the UFC does go Hawaii for down the road and have Max Holloway main event uh, card there. But yeah, the Hawaiian I mean, crowds were into this. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it. It doesn't make sense to not have that because, from my perspective. You saw what they did with the Brits when they invaded. They did such a good job and they were such a like, you know, they drew such a crowd in the United States that they said, you know what? If you guys draw such a crowd here, I, I'm going to give you guys a chance to see what you guys do in your own hometown. And they did that. And Max Holloway, to me, he has been a consistent main eventer in the United States. And that guy draws crowds. So I don't see how you don't have Max Holloway headline. A UFC Hawaii card. Exactly. It's the same way. It's, it's the same way. I like right now. The UFC has a chance to not mess this up within this year or the next year to have at least two of the three African champions headline a card in Africa. I don't know about the Africa thing. That would be tough for considering the restrictions and who knows how it is in Africa. I think Hawaii will be easier in my opinion. But though it'd be cool if they go Africa. But I think it might be a little bit tougher. Yeah, but Max Holloway's definitely been a main eventer who's definitely sold so, so arenas here in the mainland United States and in Canada too, in Toronto a couple of times and um in Edmonton. So he's he's definitely a main event guy. He's draw crowds in different countries, America and Canada. So definitely love to see a UFC show in Hawaii one day. But yeah, great victory for Anthony Maduro. It's a crap, great victory, thought the right decision and. And um, the crowd was really into this into this fight, obviously, because Yancey's from Hawaii, and they were really into this fight. And the crowd energy was pretty damn good. It definitely, deserved that I'm glad because this was a very good fight. And Charlie Yancey Maduro is getting the victory, ending a three fight losing streak, I believe. And this was the main card of the Bellator show. And I do want to shout out um, Goichi Yamauchi in the prelims. He got an armbar submission in the first round. It, it, it looked so easy, Yamauchi. That was his 21st submission victory of his career, and the way he got it, it just looked too easy. Now, Yamauchi, the way he did it in the prelims, just got just took him down once the, it was on the ground, which is a matter of time before he got submission. Once he did, game over. That's it. Yamauchi wins. 
And Yamuchi wins again, stays relevant in the top 10 of that welterweight division. And and this was a good victory for him. Um, and uh, you see any prelim fights in this card or no? I did not get to as the UFC main card was going on. And also because I want to help out the notorious G Money on wow. uh, the BX Sports Jedi Network. I had to keep up with the uh, uh, playoffs as well. So the preliminaries for this one, I couldn't catch it. And I'm upset because, like I said, especially after Dante Skiro put up the show that he put up uh, the night prior, I wanted to pay attention. But when you're watching three, four programs, you kind of have to you gotta pick Shoot. what you could yeah. pay attention to. Yeah. Good point, good point. Yeah, you're right. And... Yeah, that, unfortunately, that was the only prelim fight I saw with Joichi Yamuchi against, you know, against Levi and um, Choka uh, Kelly in this fight. Choka Kelly in this fight. And Yamuchi got another great victory, submission victory. You know how upsetting this is for me? I told what? you I wanted to see Bobby King before. And yeah. Bobby King was on this preliminary. Yeah, I got a split decision victory against um, Keon, Di Keon Diggs. 29, 28, 30, 27, 28, 29, judges scorecards. One judge gave it to you. I'm Diggs. I mean, but it's okay that we did miss it. Be well, I missed it. It's okay that I did miss it because I will have the chance. It's on YouTube for free. Yes. Free. Free. I guess that's that wraps up our Bellator 279 co um, coverage. I mean, great card. But main card was very entertaining. Very, I was entertained by it. Crowd, the fights, everything was. It was a good show. Good night for Bellator. Very good night and good weekend it overall. Just, it was just a good night for MMA overall. So I think we we really enjoyed it, and it just especially where you had the heavyweight boxing match happen. And it felt like that was not the talk of of the weekend. You had you had uh, playoffs and you had MMA to talk about. Yeah. So when you could beat the heavyweights of boxing, which has always been a good show, that lets you know that you know it's a it, we uh, MMA had a good, very very good weekend. And salute to the ladies for 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 giving us a great show. I, we've it's been rare that the you know women have headlined three back to back cards like this. But they did it and put on a great show. Salute. Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies. Yeah, they did. But yeah, despite the controversy in the in the flyweight towel fight, still it was a pretty good fight leading up to that point. And salute to the ladies for, for entertaining us in the um, main events of these cards. As, we, as now we look forward to this weekend, this Saturday, April 30th, UFC, UFC Apex in Las, in Las Vegas. This Saturday, the main event between Rob Font and Marlon Chito Vera for, in the UFC's Bantamweight division. Big fight. Very big fight in the Bantamweight division. Considering, I think Rob Font, I believe, is ranked number five. Yeah, number five. Chito Vera ranked number eight. Rob Font's coming off the loss to Jose Aldo in his last fight back, his last fight back in December. And, and Chito Vera's coming off victory over Frankie Edgar and Master Garn back in November. We, front, we, hit, we hit him with a front kick that knocked him out. And this, and I'm looking forward to this fight. I mean, this, I mean, these are this. I mean, this is going to be a very two good strikers going against each other, but also guys who could do more. I mean, Chio Vera's won by also by um, eight by eight times by submission too. So very well rounded and a pretty good finisher, uh, Chio Vera. 
But Rafa ain't no joke. We know how good Rafa's boxing is. We've seen it before. We know that Rafa's not, you know, not easiest guy to take down. And but um, what are your thoughts on this fight, um, Dan? Whole lot of striking. Striking, striking, striking. Whole lot of striking. Technical striking too. Might be a KO because of that. Because these guys are such technical strikers. And I think this is going to be a lovely fight. We would not be disappointed by this one. I think I'm, I might be calling this one a little too prematurely now. But excuse me. I don't think we're going to be disappointed by this one. I'm excited no. for this. So am I. I'm very excited for this fight. This um, <clears throat> this fight between Chio Vera and Rob Paul. I mean, ever, ever since I watched, I listened to that Joe Rogan podcast with um, Chio Vera after he won, beat Frank Yeager. It was several months ago. I've really become a Cheeto fan. Really like Cheeto because he was very, he came across very well in that podcast. If you're if you're listening to that Joe Rogan episode with Chio Vera, I didn't, I didn't listen to it, but I plan to. It was a it was a really good um really good episode. I mean, Chio, his story from Ecuador. I got UFC MMA. UFC struggles and just personality. It's really, really. I was really, I was surprisingly more entertained by it than I thought I was going to be. Maybe become a Chio Vera fan after watch listening to that. But definitely, yeah, Vera definitely was a great episode. But, but yeah, definitely root for Chio Vera. Although not, although I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad Rob Font one because I have no nothing against Rob Font. You know, uh, you know, Rob Font's a very good fighter. Like I said good boxing. Came out of that gym, New England Cartel with um Calvin Cater. And there's some other guys in that camp as well. So you know how good he is. He's training with Calvin Cater and guys like that. And we see, you know, he's very, very good striking. Oh, well, I mean, I do, I do wonder how much. I mean, he's got, oh, he's got some power, but his recent victories have have not been knockouts, with the exception of Mar Marais. Because I mean, Cody, I, mean, I mean, the Cody Garbrandt fights. You know, Cody doesn't have the greatest chin in the world yet. He didn't finish Cody, which is kind of surprising. It makes you wonder, like, would you, does Chio Vera get a little confident in that and just not not exactly not exactly leave himself open and take hits, but not be worried about taking a hit from Rob um, from Rob Font? That that is a possibility right there. You're absolutely right about that. Not only that, but I know. Uh, I wish I could say that's something for Marlon uh, for Chito Vera to worry about, but he can't because Rob Font is coming off that loss against Jose Aldo and. We see that that the, the division is starting to really like now that you have the uh, the the cobwebs out between uh, Al Jermaine and Peter Yan, the division is starting to you know bring itself back up into name. But then you have Henry Cejudo bringing his name right back into the mix. Like this, as as soon as one mess clears up, another mess presents itself. So within this division, like they, like I don't think any of these guys need to worry about who brings what power anywhere. I need a finish. I need it decisively. I need to call out my next opponent. I need to stay within the high ranking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean yeah, I totally agree. I get what you mean. I said that a couple of weeks ago after UFC 273. I think the winner of this fight should probably fight Pierre Yon next. I think it makes sense, especially if Diamond Victory called Pierre Yan. And, you know, I think that'd be perfect number one contender fight for the winner of that fight. Could probably fight the winner of Al Jermaine and TJ Dillashaw. I know Cejudo throwing his name out there, but I, I think it's Dillashaw next. So, unless, until I see news about Cejudo, I mean, what do you think of that? 
I, yeah, absolutely right because Aljamain did call out Dillashaw next, so Dillashaw is next. But if Dillashaw isn't ready, I, for me personally, I don't see a reason why Aldo isn't on the, uh, isn't his name isn't up there as well. He's number three. He's ranked number three in the division right now. Like he's, I, he's ranked number three in the division. I don't know what else to say about what Jose Aldo is doing. It's been a very impressive work. I don't want to sleep on Jose Aldo and what he's doing. So I think if these two guys, you know, it, it you know, if certain things don't work themselves out and, you know, uh, Dillashaw doesn't come up and it's Aldo fighting, then whoever, you know, wins out of this fight, I'm calling out Dillashaw next. I'm calling out Aldo next. I'm calling out whichever name gets me closest to the championship. But I can't skip over Jose Aldo because that's who Rob Font just last lost to. That's true. That's true. But I was just saying, Pierre Yon, saying Pierre Yon just come off the title loss, and Yon's still ranked number one. And plus, I heard well, there was rumors that it was supposed to be although they were trying UFC was trying to do Aldo and Cruz next, which is a fight I want to see. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people want to see two legends who are still winning fights go at each other. But I understand if you want to do Aldo Aljamain next, if Delshaw can't go, or if you're Chio, uh, over Chio Vera, you want the rematch with Jose Aldo, because if you remember, Jose Aldo beat Chio Vera in this two years ago. If, you know, you could, you could call that rematch, but if you're Aldo, you might say, nah, I already beat you already. That's, you know, not that long ago. And yeah, and, and then, that's why I think Jan makes better sense, because Aldo is right there. I mean, he could possibly get the South fight. Dillashaw's not ready. I mean, I... The way I see it is like a, a fight with Cruz doesn't help Aldo to what he wants. I think so. I just agree. I think he still gets this title fight being a former champion in that weight class who's a legend himself, uh, two fight win streak. I think that does help him. Uh, uh, my whole thing is like when looking at the division, Cruz is seven, Aldo is three. It uh, Once again, Aldo, for him to go from calling out TJ Dillashaw and trying to get close to the Aljamain Sterling or Peter Yan to then fall into number seven while these two other guys are, are making a name for themselves in Font and and, and Cheeto Vera. I, I, I don't know. It, yeah, but I, I don't know. I think, I think it still helps considering it's Dominic Cruz and it's like I said, the, the name and the former champion, I think it does help. But, but I mean... But but like I said, if if Font and Yon, Font not Font Yon, excuse me, Font and Vera, the winner of that fight, I think should call PR Yon next. I think that's a. Nah, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Like that's that should definitely be a a, a, a priority because I'm not even I, between Font and Aldo versus Yon. That's gonna be an interesting fight. Yeah, I can't wait to see that fight. I mean, that's gonna be. I think I can see a goal decision, back and forth fight, or close fight, or headed fight, or I can see a finish. I mean, especially the striking, both guys. I mean, especially especially if Vera wins. I can definitely see a Vera win by stoppage, personally. Most definitely. But, I mean, we could also look at uh, uh, the next fight on the main card, the co-main event. This is uh, three rounds, five minutes in the heavyweight division. This man is right back at it. Andre Arlovsky faces Jake Collier. Andre Arlovsky is still going, brother. He is. 
Yeah, he's, he's, he loves fighting. He doesn't no stop. I mean, guys been fighting no since, stop. since 1999. I think he's been fighting. I mean, there's been several times with this guy where he thought his career was over. It's, a, it's he's like a zombie. He like rises up from the dead. Like he just doesn't doesn't die. I mean, his career just doesn't die. Everything he's like always over. He goes on some win streak or wins like four or five. To remind people, no, I'm still acting. No, I'm still good. I can still compete. It's pretty remarkable, Varlowski, and he's coming back. And he's beating up these younger guys too. He's still beating these guys up. And he's going against Jake Collier. He's come out with a submission victory over Chase Sherman in his last fight. And I know, I know he beat, I know he beat Chase Sherman, but I think Orlowski's gonna beat up Jake Collier. I don't think Collier is a true heavyweight. I don't, I don't think it's the best weight for him. And I think Orlowski is a, is a better fighter at this point. Even Chase Sherman is. And I think, I think Orlo I wouldn't be surprised that Orlowski pieces him up and maybe finishes him in the second round. That's just me. It's funny you said that. I think I think Arlovsky wins this fight, but I think he wins it via decision. I think the gas tank. I've seen it lately. The last couple of fights for Andre Arlovsky, the gas tank isn't hasn't been holding up the way you know most people would love it to. So I don't know if that's you know uh, uh, if he gets gas. I know he's smart enough. He's smart enough that he can get it to decision. But if he gets gas too early, then at it it'll suck for him. It's all about the uh, the fight, the camp, the camp, the training camp. Does he get the training camp right for this fight? And if he does, then he should have enough of a gas tank that he beats Jake Collier. I, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point about his gas tank, about how that can affect him in this fight. But I personally think, I mean, you're right, that's a good point. If he has a gas tank, I think he definitely beats Jake Collier, personally. That's just me, I mean... I don't think Collier is a true heavyweight, or really a guy who can really do something in the heavyweight division. That's just, that's just me. I could be wrong, but uh, I know he's got with Victor or Chase Sherman, but I don't. I think Orlovsky at this point is a better fight than Chase Sherman. Not at this point in his career. Not 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 just historically. Obviously, Orlovsky was a former heavyweight champion at one point in the UFC, but just currently right now. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. But we're both in agreement here. I, we both think that Arlovsky is going to come away with the victory. So we can move on from that fight uh, to the next fight on the main card. In the featherweight division, Joanderson Brito versus Andre Touchy Feely. Austin, man, tell me how you see this fight going. I don't know much about Joanderson Brito. I, I, I'm looking at his sure dog. <clears throat> excuse me, his sure dog record and... His last fight was uh, the Calvin Cater and Gage Kazian card on January, where he lost via the decision to Bill Aljo. Before that, he was on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, I think 7. Oh, why is Sure Dog messing me up? It's like an 8 or 9 fight winning streak. Yes. Exactly. 8 9 fight winning streak on for um for Brito. As he's got uh, five submissions and five TKO KOs, so ten of his twelve victories are by submit or by finishes. So uh, it lets you know he does have a high finishing rate in his victories. Yeah, but he's got. A, I think the resume has to start to equate to to, to the show because Andre Touchyfeely is no slouch, man. You're right. He's no slouch at all. And I'm looking at the resume that Joanderson Brito has. I only see the Bill Algeo fight on the UFC, meaning we haven't seen a lot of him. No. Um, yeah, Andre, the last, Andre Touchy Feely, the last fight he lost was to Bryce Mitchell. 
we know what Bryce Mitchell coming up is gonna it, it, it has been so far. Bryce Mitchell is a stud. That guy is gonna be something in the division. Thug he is Nasty. gonna be a name to yeah. Thug Nasty is just gonna be a name in the division. But we even see Andre Andre uh, got a victory over uh, Charles Jordan prior to that. So this I, I, this guy he's good. Andre is good, man. This is gonna be a very interesting fight. Two strikers, yeah. it seems. Yeah, you're right. Two strikers. His last fight was a no contest against Daniel Paeta, which was accidental eye poke. I don't remember if he got eye poked or Paeta got eye poked. I don't remember. Well, yeah, I think it's two strike for for Feely. So Feely hasn't won a fight in two years, almost two years. So I'm pretty sure he wants to get that victory for Andre Feely. And it's that oh, both yeah. striker, both strikers. It seems like so it's gonna be a lot of striking fights. Or I mean, I, don't, I mean, it just seems the better striker too. And see who went, who can implement their strike, their game plan better. But yeah, Andre Feely, no joke. He's a good fighter, definitely not the, you know, if he, you know, tough guy, definitely a guy who's been around, who's been some good names, but also fought, he's fought a lot of good fighters, been some of them, lost some of them, but definitely a tough fighter, a very good, very good fighter. Most definitely. Uh, but that's gonna be an interesting fight. We we're gonna be tuned in to see. We're going to move on to the next fight on the card. It's in the lightweight division. Jared Gordon versus Grant Dawson. I feel like Jared Gordon, I've seen him fight before, but Grant Dawson, I don't remember. I don't, it's weird. Grant, yeah, Grant Dawson, I, the name is familiar. Uh, we definitely him. see Jared Gordon fat, uh, fight before. That's Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah. Okay. And Grant uh, Dawson... I know Derek Gordon is a striker. He's a very good striker. He could mix in some, you know, some uh, 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 grappling here and there. But all in all, he's a striker. So that's what it's going to be. But then you have uh, Grant Dawson. He's had some fight night victories. Yeah, he's on a seven-fight winning streak right now. Yeah, but his last fight was a draw. I was going to say 17-1-1. His last fight was a draw. Yeah. Against Ricky Glenn last year and then after that he had another draw in a, a ufc fight pass in, invitational so he's coming off with two draws right now yeah you're right both of these guys need a victory wait 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 wait, wait is that two draws for uh, dawson or yeah he yeah uh, uh dawson yeah he he fought in the um what's, what's the mission underground or fight pass invitational so it was a grappling matchup Oh, it's grappling match. Okay, never mind. Oh, it's grappling. That's all MMA. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, it seems like both of these guys are. Oh, both of these guys are strikers. Well, if uh, anything, think... though, Grant Dawson. It seems like he, he can take it to the ground. Yeah, he's got 11 submissions, so so he can take it to the ground. Submit you there as well. That's something to watch out for if he can if he, if he goes to the ground if if um because if, if Grant can take it to the ground see how much advantage Grant has versus um Jared Gordon in the ground game. Yeah, we shall see. We definitely shall see. So we can move on from that fight, go on to this next fight. Darren Elkins versus Tristan Conley in the featherweight division. Aaron Elkins, I believe he's coming off of a loss. Is that right? Yes. Two Cub Swanson. I remember that. Yeah. It was a great knockout for Cub. Very good. It was a head kick, if I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that one. 
versus Tristan Conley. When was the last time he fought? April, uh, April of last year, he lost to Pat Sabatini. Pat Sabatini. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I can't fault him for that. So, Tristan, I mean, yeah. um... Tristan has fallen no, over a like year. They, both of these guys, well, uh, yeah, fought in over a year. Um, Tristan Conley, he seems to be a submission, uh, submission type of guy. He has nine victories via submission, four via KO slash TKO, so... He's the guy that's willing to get it on the ground. Yeah, and look, Darren Elkins, we know how tough he is. I mean, his, nick his nickname, his nickname is the Damage. He even has a tattoo on his chest. The guy is known taking taking damage and still winning fights, or not being finished at times. I mean, he's a tough dude. I mean, you know, his last fight he got knocked out by um, Cub Swanson, but Cub, we all know how good a striker Cub is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I. I do want. Yeah, I do wonder if, if Elkins, how much the, if Elkins' chin has kind of lost some, a little bit of his, he lost a little bit of toughness considering that knockout by Cub. I mean, I don't, I don't think so, but it's possible. I do. I do want to see. How, you know, if if I do want to see how does um Tristan look after a year off of fighting. Against the guy uh, Elkins, who Elkins has been some good names. He's very tough. Not like I said, not the easiest guy to put out, typically. But and so I do want to see how that goes. If that if that could be a bad if it's gonna be a bad comeback fight for um Tristan. Seems like a lot of guys in this card is coming coming back off of a layoff. But uh, yeah, we we definitely shall see this Saturday if um. If Darren Elkins can, uh, if Darren Elkins has the chin to stand up the, an attack from Tristan Conley, because if there's one thing we know about these strike, uh, about these grapplers, they're gonna throw some strikes in front of you to get you down, and if they can wobble you to get to the uh, to grappling, that's even better for them. Um, next fight on the main card is the first fight on the main card in the middleweight division. Gerald GM3 Mearshard. Versus Christoph Jocko. Mir Mir has done well considering that loss to Hamza. He got knocked down 17 seconds. Since that loss, he's won three in a row. He looks really good in all three fights. So he's coming up with some momentum against jo um, Christoph Jocko. And Jocko, he's coming off of a victory against Misha Serkinov. I remember that fight. It's a yeah. split decision against Misha Serkinov. But prior to that... He did have a loss against uh, Sean Strickland, who is rising up in the middleweight division. So it's no fault of his own. He just ran into a buzzsaw in Sean Strickland. Um, this is going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, I think I this fight is going to... Go ahead. Yeah, I think Gerald might win this fight personally. I, I like him in this fight. I think Yako, I've seen him fight. He's, he's a good fighter, but he does, he does not... He does a lot of things well. It's not like one particular thing he does very well, in my opinion. Well, I think Mearshard, you know, is very. He's got a lot of submissions on his belt. I feel like this fight goes to the ground. It's a favorite Mearshard, just me personally. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I think Mearshard is. I think the one thing he's going to do better than what Christoph Jocko can do is bring a pressure to the ring. He's going to bring a pressure to the ring. He's going to, you know, stand in his face consistently, slide side to side with him. And then from there, he's going to be comfortable because he's going to get into range. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
Oh, man. I'm sorry I'm laughing because you were talking about this guy, and here he is on the preliminaries. First fight in the preliminaries, Chase Sherman versus uh, 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 Alexander Romanov. Uh, it was 15-0, by the way. Romanov is, a I guess, a heavyweight prospect from Mongolia. Yep. His nickname is King Kong, which is a cool nickname to have for a heavyweight, King Kong. I will get, that's a cool nickname. If you're, if you're a, only, only heavyweight to have that nickname, King Kong, in my opinion. Yep, yep. me. Not unless you're, uh, 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 there's one other weight class that I feel should have that name. Oh, what, lightweight? Nah, featherweight. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have someone in featherweight that that you know has a name like King Kong, and they're like, "Why is he King Kong?" Boom! He hits someone. Box <laughs> about it. They go, "Oh, okay, yeah." I guess. All right. I mean, because that's look a, a name a nickname like that would either work one of two ways. With a big guy who just fills out the nickname, or a small guy who you think, yo, that nickname does not belong to him, until one day he shows you why that nickname belongs to him, and you go, I, you know what? He can call whatever you want to call, whatever you want to name yourself. I'll call you that, sir. You, you got it. You okay, I uh, guess. But um, yeah, Romanoff is fourteen is fifty victories by finishes, which were eight submi eight submissions and six knockout TKOs. He's come out He's come out of the second round on TKO victory over Jared Jared Vendera back in October 2021. Back in October, basically. So six months, you know, six months from his last fight. That he's won two fights in the UFC. No, three. Actually, uh, four fights in the UFC. And victory over Chase Sherman. He might be near uh, rankings after this. Six. If he especially finishes 16 and 0. It's a guy in Chase Sherman who UFC fans are familiar with, which I think Romanoff's gonna win this fight. This is me against Chase Sherman. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there, Chase Sherman. This kind of feels like a setup to uh, introduce some new blood into the uh, heavyweight division. I'm not upset at it. Dana's got to do what he's got to do, and Chase Sherman right now, I'm, I can't lie. It seems like he's being served on a platter to this guy, so. It does. I mean, he's lost three in a row for him. So, I mean, he's not exactly, he hasn't been exactly doing well recently, Chase Sherman. I think going against someone, Romanoff, I mean, Romanoff who's 15-0, who's got, you know, 14 out of 15 victories or by finish. I mean, sounds like a set, sounds like a setup for Romanoff to win. Romanoff to win. I yeah, I, I agree with you. But all in all, it's going to, I see some pretty interesting fights on the uh, preliminaries. That fight included, there's also, uh, Figueredo's younger brother, Francisco Figueredo, he's facing right. up against Daniel da, uh, da Silva, so that should be an interesting fight there. I forget Davidson Figueredo has a brother that's also a UFC fighter. I always forget yeah. that. I believe he's coming off of a loss, yes, to Malcolm Gordon. Unanimous decision. He had a chance to kind of get that fight uh, uh, in his way, but he just really didn't... Um, he didn't uh, take advantage of it. It seems like he has a he has a chance to uh, uh, you know not not I don't want to say follow in his brother's footsteps, but he definitely has a chance to be a very good fighter. He has the power. He has some technique to him. He just hasn't put it together yet. So I'm interested to see what Francisco Figueredo does in this fight. Okay, that's interesting to see how the brother of the flyweight champion does. 
I mean, he fights in the same weight class as Brad too. It's pretty, yeah. pretty ironic, but yeah. Anything else? Well, uh, yeah. Nah, is there any fight that you wanted to shout out? Um, no, that's about it for now. I think I think I don't see anything else I want to shout out. No, that's it. So then, um, last fight I want to bring to everyone's attention. This should be happening on Saturday. Um. Saturday, 9 p.m. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. This should be for an undisputed lightweight championship in the female lightweight division. Amanda Serrano, excuse me, well on her way to gathering as much titles as she can, being a dominant force in the boxing, uh, boxing, uh, in the boxing world. And um, Serrano, she's just been a. a, a, a pleasure to see a sight to see as far as like the way she is just she's very dominant in her fights she's very dominant uh last fight she had uh her her opponent was able to bring something to the uh, to the fight as well she she got rocked a little here and there she was fatigued a little here and there but all in all she still had control of the fight we haven't met a fighter yet that has been able to put amanda serrano in a place where she can't control the fight yet. So that's going to be a very interesting boxing match right there between uh, Serrano and Katie Taylor. I can't wait for uh, to see that one. That's 9 uh, p.m. on The Zone. Oh, that's the match we're going, right? Yep. Okay, so big fight. I mean, big big fight, especially it's you for Cason Bell, you said, right? <clears throat> yep. All right, so it's a big fight. And 9 p.m. on The Zone. And I want to mention the UFC... Uh, show Vaughn Vera starts at main card starts at 7 p.m. on ESPN Plus. So that means the preliminaries will start around like 4:35. Yes, 4:30. Yep. Yep. All right. So guys, check, ladies and gentlemen, please check out those preliminaries. Please check them out. That's where the stars are born. You're gonna get. Trust me. You're gonna buy uh, buy low on some fighter stock. And by the time that guy gets really, really hot and he's a champion, you're going to be one of those obnoxious MMA fans talking about, I knew it, I knew it, I seen him before you did. That's really what it is. That's that's what we that's what we do when we watch the preliminaries. We have fun doing that. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It's, it's like, yeah, exactly. That's a good point, Dan. Well, um, well, thank you guys for watching listening to us while you're watching us on YouTube live or... Or, or, or afterwards when the show's over. Shout out to everyone in the chat who commented on the chat, whether it be from Maria on Facebook, Yo Jose Molino, Calvin, 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 excuse me, Andre, I believe Andre was here in the chat. Yes, yeah, Andre most was definitely. Here. Andre was here, Big Task at hand, Calvin T. Jones. Uh, yeah, the Jedi was in here as well. Some people are kind of relevant, uh, just rejoicing in the fact that the Brooklyn Nets have been swept out of the NBA playoffs. They lost 0-4. They didn't win a game against the uh, Boston Celtics. So that's what a lot of the uh, <laughs> that's what a lot of the contingency was here for. Jose Melos, thank you so much for being here. Salute to you. It has definitely been a while since I saw you. Thank you guys so much. And like we said, when you join us, just join us on uh, on the YouTube platform. If you have a question. Type in a question. We'll be sure to answer it and have a discussion with you guys after we've broken down all the cards because it is a lot of MMA to break down. It really is. But thank you guys once again so much for joining us.
Yep, definitely. Uh, yep, please go, please go and smash the like button, subscribe, and hit the notification so 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 you know when we're doing a video or when some when when the BX Sports Jedi Network's doing another video. Thank you guys for listening, tuning to us, and thank you guys for listening to us on uh, excuse me on um po- on audio podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Reason FM, etc. Thank you guys for checking us out and. Anything you want to say before we head off? Uh, no, just once again, please check us out on all podcast platforms. And you can also join us on YouTube. We're there on YouTube. We want you guys to talk to us, ask us any question at the end of the show. We're more than willing to answer it because we watch so much MMA. We, it, it, it would be... It would be foolish of us to not have learned something and answer one of your questions by at this point. So once again, thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, and peace out. Peace. Have a good night, guys. See you guys next week. Look forward to breaking down this past this upcoming card and previewing the pay-per-view. That's up two weeks from that. That's up two weeks from that's up next Saturday, excuse me. Most I'm Austin Shepton and have a good night and we'll see you guys later. Bye. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, we are...